yeah, since I couldn't take notes, I, I, I read through the Wikipedia plot summary again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't I, forget anything. I, well, I didn't want to take notes because um, you missed the whole movie. <laughs> it's a, a little fast-paced, wouldn't you say? Uh, some parts. I mean, oh, it's, now the truth comes out. Dan hates everything. I don't hate anything. No, ha- I wouldn't say... Dan the hater. I mean, it's not fast-paced like a Transformers movie is fast-paced or something, but it's... Uh, is, that, you know. is that a quality you're looking for? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I... I uh, so it's not fast-paced like a train wreck. Um, so in, in, in fact, <laughs> I think that there are points that are... Are we, are we doing this now? <laughs> are we in it now? We're, we're in it to win it. Okay, spoilers. Spoilers from here on out. Um, I, I think there if, are parts of If anyone of it. is tuning in to a show where we are discussing a movie <laughs> that just came out in theaters and you you don't understand the concept that we would actually be talking about the movie, then then I don't feel any any sort of sympathy uh, for your loss. Like I think did, we've go tried to do uh, like a spoiler free like fifteen minutes before we got into it, but um, I'm not th- doing that. <laughs> there are uh, there are portions of this movie that. Um, in terms of what's actually happening on screen, it's not a ton of stuff happening, but it's happening quickly in terms of the actual filmmaking, you know, sort of kinetic camera work and sort of actiony stuff. But, you know, uh, overall summary of that, that scene that would maybe be five or 10 minutes is not that, uh, action packed. So I, I don't know that I would call it fast paced. Uh, some of the, the filmmaking is kind of kinetic, but, um, it's, uh, it's a Star Wars movie, and you know, and again, getting back to the same thing that we talked about uh, on the original trilogy, not a ton of stuff happens it, in the original trilogy. Not a ton of stuff happens plot-wise, but a lot of stuff happens for our characters. In this one, I think there is more plot stuff happening as well as the character stuff happening. So I really did appreciate that. Okay. Yeah. So I, I mean, I don't, I don't know how how quickly you want to get into specifics of it all, but. Um, First of all, I guess, did you enjoy the film? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I, 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 you know, I have, I have questions and I have issues and stuff, and I'll see how I feel about things going forwards. Because it's also one of those things where uh, Star Wars changes in your evaluation of it over time, as we've discussed. Uh, and, and since it is so fresh, and we have both just recently seen it, uh, we we can't like put it into uh th- into place with three other surrounding movies yet you know like we can with the original trilogy uh cuz by the time either one of us had seen the original trilogy it had been out for many 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 years so you could just watch it all at once or you know over the course of a couple weeks uh but but so you're saying you need uh the following three movies before you can judge this one appropriately no i'm just saying that i'm go- i can judge this movie but how I feel about like certain plot elements and things might change over time once I find out how it links into the rest of the story, because this is also setting up things that'll pay off in films that happen later. Mm-hmm. This is not a completely self-contained, hermetically sealed uh, movie unit. This is this is a a, a franchise um, sprawling, uh, forward-looking uh, thing that's going to be going on for quite some time. Uh, so. Like, uh, I, I don't want to skip around too much initially, but I'll say that there are there are many things and some characters uh, where I feel like they are probably there to set up how things will go in future things more than they contribute in this film. Um, 
namely uh, Supreme Leader Snoke uh, or Gollum from Lord of the Rings, depending on how you want to <laughs> how you want to parse that. But uh, he he doesn't do a ton of anything, um, and he doesn't really have much influence on the course of events other than saying yes in a couple meetings to certain things so it's 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 going to be interesting to see how that might play out going forwards and more information about who he is and why he's doing any of this uh but but in terms of this movie he was probably the dullest character they spent the most money on uh i i i I guess it has to go somewhere but it does nothing for me here. Okay, so is it fair to say that you're not comfortable ranking this amongst the other six movies, or do you have an ability to do that at the moment? Well, I mean, I can rank it right now, but I might change my mind later. Does that... Okay. I, sure, I, go I ahead. What do you got? What, uh, just based on what you're seeing now, where does this fit in the the, the giant series of films? Uh, can we save rankings until after we talk about the movie some more? I don't want people to to immediately be turned off once I, once I rank it. So yeah, well, let's, let's tease that for later on in the episode. All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll tease it, uh, for later. So, Mm -hmm. um, hmm. you want to just get right into the plot of how this, how this goes down, starting with the crawl and what sets up our film? Yes. So we have a film, uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, the, the crawl is not as clunky, uh, as, some of the other crawls have been, uh, especially notably the prequel crawls. Uh, it's it it does have a fair degree of clunk, um, it, 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 but it, I, w- I would say that it's no worse than the original trilogy in terms of uh, explaining things. So Luke Skywalker has vanished in his absence, comma. The sinister first order, all caps, has uh, has risen from the ashes of the empire and will not rest until Skywalker, comma, the last Jedi, comma, has been destroyed. <laughs> period. Uh, with the support of the Republic, all caps, uh, comma, General Leia Organa leads a brave resistance, all caps. Uh, she is desperate to find her brother Luke and gain his help in restoring peace and justice to the galaxy. Leia has sent her most daring pilot on a secret mission to Jakku. No, no all caps. I don't know why. Uh, where an old lady, uh, or an old ally, not an old lady. Max, Max von Sydow is not an old lady. <laughs> where an old ally has discovered uh, a clue to Luke's whereabouts. Dot, 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 dot. Dot. Um, so. I like that setup. I, I mean, I like it in that it's not like war, heroes on both sides. You know, that that kind of ridiculous thing or well, it, it clearly establishes where we are in the timeline where we're, we're post return of the jedi some things have happened uh it, it sort of picks up with the names that we're familiar with so the empire we, we we watched the empire mostly blow up and uh the republic is back which i guess kind of confused me a little bit so i guess it makes a little bit of sense that maybe they would try and reestablish the republic after the empire had been off doing its own thing and didn't really care about you know governing other planets in as much as just like when they show up they're in charge but the republic still has to run the day-to-day stuff yeah well i think there are some things they could have done that would have helped with this uh when they say rises from the ashes of the risen from the ashes of the empire they could have said risen from the ashes of the empire outside of republic space or something like because Right now, it's not exactly clear where everyone is, um, geographically speaking. Like, is is there some overlap? Like, is the Empire and 
the Republic, uh, like is the First Order and the Republic occupying the same volume of space where, you know, there, there's some overlap? Because in the previous Star Wars movies, the Rebels operated in Imperial space. Uh, but that, that is not the case here. Uh, so, and, and more confusingly, uh, the Resistance is here. But if there's an official Republic, what is the Resistance resisting? Except they're resisting the First Order. But they're not <laughs> citizens of the First Order, I guess. So then it's like, well, wouldn't, wouldn't like, insurgency or something actually be the more correct? It doesn't make any sense. Well, um, the Resistance is still there from the previous, well, the original trilogy. The Republic uh, has had to sort of reestablish itself because it was crushed by the Empire. So... The, the the resistance has it probably predates this new republic. So as the republic comes up, they go like, "Hey, there's these two warring factions out there," and uh, of the two of them, the uh, resistance seems to be the ones that we want to side with. So that's how they sort of backed them politically. Yeah, but the rebels, um, as they were addressed in the the previous uh, three movies. In terms of uh, internal chronology, uh, they, the, the rebels were rebelling against the Empire in Imperial space. And so now the rebels are the Resistance or the Republic, uh, depending on how you want to look at it. Also, the uh, as we find out later in the film, the Republic is uh, financing and supporting the Resistance against the First Order. Um, so the Resistance must just be against the first order and must just be in first order space so then it's like well it's just a weird name because they, they're not like citizens of the first order but I, I, whatever it is it's just peculiar uh like it doesn't make immediate 100 percent sense uh except for there there is a good thing over here and a bad thing over there and that we support the good thing uh and there's a scrappy band um and they're the resistance and they're good too so that's that's what we got. Yeah, the the resistance may have pivoted slightly from their previous endeavors, but they they are carrying the flag of the previous uh, organization, the rebels, to to sort of draw a line in the sand about the fact that they are fighting this evil empire slash first order. Yeah, I liked it. I like the setup. It's good. <laughs> it's better. Well, it's significantly better than many of the others, uh, and it's it's really to the point. Um, we we don't get. A ton of stuff about like the other characters in here, other than uh, Luke and Leia, uh, which is which is an interesting change of pace, uh, especially especially since uh, they're really not in it very much. Uh, but you know that that's good because we can look forward to them later. Well, maybe similar to the original trilogy, mm-hmm. the the crawl sort of sets up the uh, military goals of the plot, not necessarily the interpersonal uh, goals of the, the the emotions that we're going to experience along the ride. So uh, I, I thought it was um, appropriate on that level, where it sort of describes what, what the actual steps they are planning to take will be, and then the rest of what happens and is revealed, which is really sort of the underlying plot of this with, you know, Kylo and uh, everything that went down there. That that stuff is left for the actual discovery in the film. And I that's 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 Star Warsy to me. So that that's the 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 interpersonal dealings that come along with the uh, the, the military goals. OK, I don't know. It's just it's just weird. Whatever. Uh, moving on from that, I like the opening shot of the Star Destroyer. Uh against the moon in silhouette um with just like a little slash of light and then uh the little ships peeling off of it 
Uh, I thought that was a uh, very very good. Uh, it's a little jarring when you go to the uh, quick cut uh, interior troop ship shots because um, that's not really like a Star Wars thing they did very much in back in the day, uh, especially at the beginning of a movie. But you know, it it, it, it kind of puts you sort of in the headspace of Finn, um, uh, who we don't know yet, but. Uh, we'll we'll come to to meet very soon, and uh, they're going down to the planet for things, uh, and then down on uh, the planet Jakku, uh, we get uh, BB-8, and it's all like, hey, there's there's some stuff coming down. Uh, I'm gonna go tell people, and then it goes in, and uh, Max von Sydow and uh, Oscar Isaacs are having a conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the 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 interior uh, troop carrier stuff is. Uh as you say, out of character for Star Wars, but in, in in addition to getting us into Finn's world, it does sort of, I think, uh, highlight the military and I guess sort of brutal world of this uh, this army more so than I think they did in the past. So you're kind of thrown into this sort of um, procedural military thing more than they would have done in any of the other movies, which I appreciated. But there is a lot of just sort of getting a flavor of that world in the beginning of this movie that when you when we talk about it being fast-paced, that's the sort of thing that we're just sort of seeing all of this material, uh, especially with, the silhouette was very cool. It's, you know, change of pace from brightly lit Star Destroyer. But yeah. um, it, it sort of just lets you linger in that world a little bit and you, you kind of get a little bit more of a feeling of how things are about to get bad than you would have just with like, oh, stormtroopers are sh- showing up and there's going to be blasters everywhere. So it, it seems like there's a little bit more of a focused uh, planned attack. Yeah, and it does, in addition to that, it, it's setting up tension for uh, what we know will be be a clash very soon. Uh, and uh, Oscar Isaacs as as Poe Dag- Daggeron, Daggeron? Whatever. Uh, he kind of mumbles it, and then I didn't even know what his name was through the whole film, and I had to look it up after. <laughs> what, Poe or Oscar Isaac? Uh, Poe. Uh, well, I mean, Oscar Isaacs is playing Poe, so, but I knew who it was Oscar Isaacs. You mean you couldn't, like, hear them? Like, it was... Uh... When, when he first says his name, I was just... It, it, it just was kind of mumbly, and I lost exactly what it was. So it was Poe Daggeron, Daggerian, or whatever. I like Oscar Isaac. He's good. Yeah, no, I, I wasn't complaining about him. I was just wanted to know his name. <laughs> But, okay. uh, yeah, and so they they exchange the little uh, chippy thing, put it in BB-8, sends him off, uh, and uh, Oscar Isaacs... Oh, wait, no. Um, they go to his X-Wing uh, to try to take off, uh, but they get uh, the engine shot, uh, and uh, so he sends BB-8 off, uh, and he uh, goes and shoots things. Uh, unfortunately for him, um, <laughs> uh, a very mean-looking shuttle uh, with... Uh, uh, really long, pointy wing things. Uh, that was rad, by the way. It was rad. Yes, it was. It was totally tubular. It was too. Yes, it was. Uh, <laughs> it was reminiscent of Vader's <laughs> ship that you complained about, where we we watched him uh, go park his car. But it was more advanced looking and just pretty sweet in general. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's supposed to be reminiscent of the Imperial shuttle design, but it doesn't have the the middle fin thingy. It's also got fold upable wings. If you saw that. Yeah, but so did the the other one no no no. like the wings they they fold up but they also like break in half and then slide down yeah because otherwise it'd be ridiculous and you couldn't get into any of the shuttle bays <laughs> it was pretty cool yeah because i mean otherwise it would be too tall for the standard imperial shuttle bay uh but they uh they land it uh and uh 
Kylo Ren is out on the battlefield, and uh, Oscar Isaac uh, tries to shoot him. Unfortunately, this does not go exactly as one would imagine it would go, uh, based on anything. <laughs> and uh, the the blaster freezes uh, in in midair, held in place by the force uh, that Kylo Ren is using, and uh, Oscar Isaac's also frozen in place. Yeah, that I think that caught everyone in the theater off guard, including me, and I thought it was pretty awesome, actually. Uh, you know, the introduction to Kylo Ren, uh, I mean, we, we've seen him a little bit in the trailers and stuff. I mean, if you're inclined to watch trailers, but uh, I thought he was intimidating and frightening, and the immediate demonstration of his foresee abilities was uh, frightening and sort of established him pretty quickly as someone not to be messed with, and I liked that. Yes. And also, I have to say this right now. Uh, when the uh, uh, when Adam Driver uh, was announced as Kylo Ren and Kylo Ren was going to be a bad guy, I was all not super won over by that. <laughs> Neither uh, was I. Yeah. But, Particularly, but, I keep thinking back to that uh, in the Sony link, the David Fincher email, where he was like making fun of Adam Driver. I, I mean, it was probably half jokey because he was changing the conversation but it's like yeah adam driver does seem like a weird choice for a bad guy but turns out he's pretty good for this this part here oh no i thought he was perfect for this role and he did a great job um and uh even in this opening scene uh he is effective and at first i was like maybe he won't take off the mask and he'll just use this voice thing the whole entire time and then it'll it'll be super effective but then even when he takes the mask off later i was like okay this, this still works like <laughs> you're not a total bozo <laughs> I <like> well you. <laughs> there are um yeah first of all I, I would like to say i liked the voice thing it was baney but without being like uh impossible to hear it was it added to his intimidation we can talk about like why he decides to wear a helmet uh, later, I suppose, but I think uh, it was great for him to do. And you know, the I have a little bit of an annoyance with like the scene where he decides to take it off because he kind of like takes it off because there's some unspoken action that he has to emote with his face. Uh, not so much just because he needed to do it for the movie, but um, yeah, he's a uh, you know he's intimidating in the beginning here, and later when he needs to be, he's kind of a scared little punk, and it works. It works really well. And uh, I was talking um, to some other people about this, uh, and I think the general consensus is, like, he is how Anakin should have been done um, in the prequels, in my opinion. Um, Only, you know, we're missing the beginning setup uh, for him, for how he turned towards the dark side initially. Uh, But I find him to be a more convincing... uh, punk that wants to be with the dark side then uh i found hayden christensen um as anakin skywalker in the prequels as uh, we we just watched revenge of the sith and so it's it's very it's a very a very uh, fresh wound in my mind and uh i i much more appreciate this take on it uh of of this relationship and also the relationship of anakin versus obi-wan uh, versus uh, uh kylo ren and his father uh work, works out better here i think than uh obi-wan versus anakin yeah Um, i mean we don't have to continue to say how the prequels were done poorly but i think there is room for different paths to the dark side so uh anakin basically out of frustration and anger ended up there uh kylo really is sort of like a the way i view him he 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 was being trained by Luke, and he is clearly Force-sensitive, and he, he has potential to become a Jedi, but I, I kind of look at him like he was not 
great. Like his powers were, you know, he, he was maybe like bottom 15% in his class and he really wanted to be a super awesome Jedi. And he, he learns about the history of the more powerful Jedi who, one of which actually ends up becoming a Sith. And he goes, you know what? That guy was super powerful and I want to be like him. So here's how he did that. And I'm going to try and emulate that just because as I'm following this training to be a Jedi, I'm not as good as other people seem to be and I want to be better. And uh, I don't really care how I get there because I just want to be stronger and stuff. So people will respect me. And that's sort of where you, where you learn that he's kind of that uh, like, immature kind of punk character i love that scene later where he's he's actually because in the trailer we saw the melted uh darth vader helmet and it's like why is that in here and you see he he sort of needs something as a constant reminder that uh he could be better he could be stronger and he he's trying to be that by trying to emulate darth vader and it's just not working out for him because it can't work out for him like he, he can't accept his circumstances as not the best out there he's trying really hard and it's not working but he's got this sort of like he's got this sort of setup of something that will try and like push him he's got his own little like oh if i only if i do this and if i i focus on pain and i, I focus really hard and i try and like pray to the, the the skull of darth vader maybe eventually i'll be strong enough and it's like it's not it doesn't work that way guy you, you gotta do it do what you have with what's inside of you and he's refusing to accept that he will never be that good well you said strong enough which i had actually interpreted maybe as discipline um that uh he he, uh, was a little self-obsessed perhaps uh that he didn't want to go through the effort like he doesn't you know, want to be the sous chef and, you know, work his way up and be a saucier and all that stuff. Like he just wants to go straight to being like the, the top Michelin star chef and he's going to do it by uh, killing everyone in the restaurant. Um, so, <laughs> well, I mean, if you look at like his circumstances, uh, he's the, the son of Han and Leia and he's being taught by Luke. Y- you would think that like, okay, I should be one of the top guys. I should have all this potential. I should be the next Luke Skywalker. And it turns out, like, it appears that he's not really living up to that potential. And he's like, well, what the hell? Like, this this is frustrating. I want to be better than this, and I'm not. So what do I got to do? And then, you know, as he fu- as he searches all of his options as somebody who is struggling to figure out where he wants to be, he ends up on this, like, well, the Sith are more powerful because they give in to feelings and this and that sort of thing. So let's explore this path and see how that works out. He's like, hey, I found some more power, and I'm going to go down this route because I couldn't be a better Jedi by sticking to the light side. So his discipline is sort of, like, self-imposed, but it's also... Uh, misguided so he doesn't really have the you know there are always two he doesn't really have the one who's guiding him we we don't uh do we even really know if uh our supreme leader is a sith other than the fact that he's the leader of the the first order we don't know it, it is not spelled out that he is sith or that he actually has any power or ability although i would assume so uh and the the thing that is explicitly laid out here is that he is training and uh uh assisting uh kylo ren so he is he has some familiarity with these topics whether whether or not he is a sith lord i can't actually say um it it would be weird if he was a sith lord who's really old uh because was he just sitting it out outside the outer rim or something while the empire happened i have no idea uh we'll we'll find out i'm sure in later films but uh but this this is 
it, it, it's just it's really interesting and i'm sure we'll talk about it more as we progress through the movie but we should probably get past the first blaster shot <laughs> <laughs> so well there's there's a yeah. lot of subtext here like when i when i discovered the subplot that when it's eventually revealed several different ways that luke was trying to train more jedi and kylo son of han and leia kind of rebelled for one reason or another we'll discover that more later but like he flipped out he killed everybody he turned to the dark side and that sort of cast luke into exile that storyline there is perfect for this universe and that is I, that's all i could have ever asked for in, in terms of a follow-up of where we are from jedi so it's it's not trying to carry on from the previous storyline it's a new storyline it throws us into this this movie pretty well and i think it, it works perfectly for what it was it, it's something that is very clear could have happened i mean luke as good as he is he doesn't have the wisdom of you know the people like yoda who came before him so maybe he wasn't really on his game when it came to training all of the 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 new kids underneath him he couldn't like he couldn't get a handle on it himself and it got a little out of hand and then it all went uh kablooey in his face and that's that's not good that's that's kind of the opposite of what he was trying for but you can totally see how that would happen and i thought that was a great setup for the situation we're in now yeah, no, I have no problem with that setup. I think it works out really well. And uh, uh, there, there's a sort of uh, uh, I, I deserve this quality to uh, this particular villain. Like, I, I, I need this, um, which to a degree Anakin espoused, um, you know, <laughs> you should be a master in the Jedi Council. Um, so there's some of that here, uh, but it's also like... A, uh, this, this desire for power um, is a natural fit with the rest of Star Wars and the path to get your power quick and easy uh, is a natural fit uh, and, and how it is uh, better to struggle and to earn it and uh, through good discipline uh, achieve uh, your, your Jedi-ness. So uh, he didn't want to do it. So that's, yeah, I, that's I, I, I think the only subtlety that I, that I found fascinating is that it sort of comes from a slightly different place than Anakin, who he, he had a lot of power and he sort of used it the wrong way to gain more power and, you know, eventually sort of help run the empire. Whereas Kylo is coming from the bottom of the barrel where he's not even living up to his Jedi skills and he, he he's struggling to be on par with even the Jedi. And he's he does pretty much anything he can just to sort of get up to snuff and that turns out being moving to the dark side but, but we can get let's well i i have an issue with that because i i don't know where you're reading in that he couldn't get up to snuff part because he obviously has a lot of power uh nobody was freezing blaster shots in midair in previous <laughs> movies <laughs> right okay yeah. but like uh that's sort of how i'm justifying you think the power quickly... came after the, his his turn to the dark side is that what you're you're getting at here i think most of it did yeah and i think he was encouraged to use it for nefarious purposes by uh snoke because you know he's being used by the dark side because he has the ability to you know force read minds and kill people and free stuff and whatever but i you know if you look at how quickly this is how i'm excusing the fact that ray got up to speed really really quickly and became sort of a worthy adversary it's that he's not He's not Darth Vader. He's not going to be Darth Vader. He has force skills and he has a lightsaber and he is uh, attuned to the dark side a bit, but he's not going to be 
Darth Vader. He's not going to be the biggest bad guy who's going to run the Empire. He just has these abilities, and the uh, First Order can take advantage of those abilities in their military doings to try to crush everyone. But he is evenly matched with any sort of Jedi because he's not first in his class in terms of bad guys. Okay. Um, Blaster frozen midair. <laughs> yeah, so Blaster frozen midair. Uh, he takes Oscar Isaacs uh, back with him uh, to the Star Destroyer, and uh, they blow up everything there, and he tells Captain Phasma to kill everyone. And uh, uh, one of the stormtroopers, who got some blood on his helmet, uh, is standing around in this firing line and does not fire. Um, and then he... in, in he uh, turns to go back onto the ship and Kylo Ren like makes eye contact with him. Uh, and it's like an awkward moment. Uh, and I should ask you what you think of the humor uh, between Kylo Ren and Oscar Isaac when he, when they pull him in and he starts questioning him and he's just staring at him face to face. Do you talk first? I talk first. How you want to do this? What's, what's going on? Hi. You're talking about Captain Phasma, right? No, no, no. When, uh, when he freezes Oscar Isaac and pulls him. Oh, 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 over. I thought, okay. Yeah, yeah. When he, when he freezes, when, uh, the, when he wakes up in the torture bed, which is supposed to be reminiscent of, uh, the torture bed from Empire Strikes Back. Um, yeah, there, there's some humor there, uh, with, with his sort of flippancy. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't work out so well for him, uh, cause he just gets his mind broken, um, by, by, uh, Kylo Ren and Kylo Ren walks out and says what the little piece of information is while we see the uh, limp uh, body uh, behind us. It is not immediately clear from that shot if he's alive or dead, but you know there's a line that he's still fine. And uh, uh, John Boyega uh, will you know go get him, um, but first he has a little bit of a HR thing because <laughs> Captain Phasma is very upset that he took off his helmet. Um, and so, uh, he will go report to HR now and, yeah, and we I will think have a, a performance not, review in a not super clunky way. We got an explanation of how these stormtroopers work in that they are, uh, captured as children, or at least Finn was, he was captured as a child and just sort of raised to, to do this sort of stuff and indoctrinated and lied to the whole way through. But, uh, they're not robots. They don't, uh, flawlessly execute commands that are given to them. They're supposed to, but they're, they're human soldiers who, uh, are, are part of an organization that has to be maintained. Mm-hmm. I thought that was good because we, I mean, we don't, we don't have any really sort of useful explanation of stormtroopers in the previous movies or clone troopers for that matter. It's just, uh, it, 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 it left the door open for Finn as a character to exist, which is useful. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but, uh, well, there's also that, that line about, you know, oh, you, you, you trust your, your people to go retrieve the droid without, uh, without you know damaging it and you know are you you sure you wouldn't be better off with clones all that stuff uh so there there's it seems some dispute amongst our evil villains about the best kind of evil henchmen to have uh so we'll see how it goes uh but the interesting thing here is of course that john boyega sees this as his opportunity um to get out of here and so he's going to use uh, this pilot that has been captured to uh, steal a TIE fighter for him uh, since he doesn't, he was not trained in that uh, as we would find out in sanitation school. Uh, but they uh, go walk over to the hangar and it's your nice Imperial hangar, bright and shiny, lots of stuff. Uh, they walk right up to the uh, 
vending machine for TIE fighters. Yeah, and, a nice vertically stacked rack of TIE fighters. Yeah, well, you, you want to have a vertically integrated uh, uh, hardware-software stack, so... Mm. Yeah, yeah it, it had a nice little um, sort of setup for... Probably built by Studio Neat, where you sort of stack your TIE fighters and charge them at the same time. It's, it, it was very elegant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course, it uh, remains tethered as they try and fly away. Uh, it's amusing that Oscar Isaac being a pilot, you know, I could fly anything, whatever, but he, he, he clearly struggles for a while. And John well, he doesn't, he doesn't know how to get the bike lock off. Um, <laughs> so it, it wasn't part of the, uh, the, the training, but, uh, this is also interesting cause we see that there's this little seat in the back for, uh, our, our gunner spot. Um, cause I had always assumed that the TIE fighters were a single person thing, but guess not. Guess you can have two people. Still uh, a very confined space in there though. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's not it's not like a huge thing. Most of the volume of a TIE fighter is the little ridiculous wings things. Uh, but the uh, uh, they they pivot around and shoot at things and blast stuff and fire at things. And then uh, they they this this is of course you know from the trailer you see this shot and then uh, they break out of there uh, and then they fly along the underside through little things around stuff next to the surface of the ship and they they start firing at the turbo lasers and you know how that we know that they're finally called turbo lasers in the movie because <laughs> there's a line of dialogue <laughs> turbo lasers that's oh i'm so happy american gladiator designed the, the this ship apparently um turbo lasers i love it because yeah. they were they were always known that in expanded universe stuff and like video games and everything was always referred to as turbo lasers but nobody said it in the movies <laughs> so this is finally the line that says it in the movies and you're just like wow that's that's something turbo lasers yeah glad, so they, glad, glad we said it <laughs> they escape the turbo lasers mm-hmm. some rockets are fired at them they use their little defensive flares or whatever but they're they just recently left jacku so that's the easy place to get back down to also uh oscar isaac needs to get back down there because he needs to recover his droid who who has his important map to luke skywalker yes uh and finn newly newly christened finn is is not super happy with this plan uh and unfortunately they're damaged and they fall out of the sky and hit the ground um and uh we we should veer back towards briefly the other dueling uh set of story elements that were happening with Ray because she actually has a line of dialogue that explains what happens to this tie fighter after it crashes uh and we haven't talked about her yet uh so Ray um we are introduced to uh as she picks through the the, the junk of a star old star, uh, star destroyer uh, and pulls out like a little round thingy from a from a, a, a behind a panel thing, and then uh, skedaddles, and then gets on her refrigerator speeder, and takes that back over to uh, the OK Corral or whatever, and uh, deals with the trader guy um, who looks like a horrible melted jellyfish. Uh, I I didn't care for whatever that choice was. It's it's Simon Pegg, but I didn't care for what they did this. Oh, is, this. is that who Simon Pegg played? Yeah, hmm. yeah. That it, that was it was interesting. Um, and so they have the little exchange, and she gets her like, you know, portion of rations, and then uh, I mean, you could literally have cast anyone else in this role other than Simon Pegg, and it would have been exactly the same. Uh, so she she goes off uh, with her little portion of rations back to her her pad. Which is literally the the pad on the bottom of uh, an at at uh, Imperial Walker, 
which is which is nice. It's a nice pull away reveal of that. Yeah, uh, I, li- I like the Imperial uh, wreckage all around their planet. It's actually pretty awesome. Yeah, well, you find out from like material that's not in this movie that this was apparently the last battle between the uh, rebellion and uh, the Empire uh, before they signed the treaty or whatever that kept them apart. But that's not said anywhere here, so that's that's cool, guys. It doesn't uh, have to be the last battle. It was just the, the site of a very large battle because you've got a crashed Star Destroyer. and No, 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 but and... that was actually what they say it is outside of this film. That's what they say it is. Yeah, I know. It the site of the doesn't last... matter. Yeah, okay. But anyway, <laughs> so the... Yeah, well, the, uh, they they leave here. Uh, she she uh, hears something over the dune and goes and checks out, and it's, uh, it's BB-8. Um, in a net, uh, and some guy on some sort of uh, rhino horse, Clydesdale, that has captured him in the net, and then she threatens him, and there's no subtitles, so we don't really know what it is, but uh, she gets him, and uh, she can understand the droid, but um, of course the droid isn't subtitled, because that's not the kind of movie Star Wars is. And uh, Yeah, this this movie finally puts to rest the uh, ability to understand droids. Yes, humans can understand droids, and vice versa. Apparently. No, so not all humans, though. Not all humans? <laughs> no, who who no. couldn't understand BB-8? Uh, John Boyega couldn't understand BB-8. He he could talk to BB-8. There was that line later on. Uh, when oh, when, on he, the ship, when he's... Uh, he's like, you understand that thing? Yeah, remember? I, I missed that part, but uh, yeah. that was the part where uh, BB-8 gave the the fire thumbs up, right? No, well, it was before that when they articulate that he can't understand the droid, um, hmm. but that uh, Daisy and Daisy Ridley has a line. Well, you know, the droid can understand you, um, and so Daisy Ridley can talk and converse back and forth with it. Uh, but John Boyega knows that it's one way, and so he can say things, and that's why the droid signals back to him um, <laughs> with the thumbs up. I love that thumbs up. That was uh, pretty awesome. But uh, droid, please. Um, so they, they, uh, uh, she gets BB-8 and she's trying to tell it, you know, where to go. And she's like, you know, don't go over to the sinking sands. Important plot element for a TIE fighter later. Uh, she's like, you'll, you'll, you won't make it through that. And she's, BB-8 doesn't want to go through all that stuff. It's just like, I want to hang out with you because you're probably my best shot of getting off this rock. Yeah, you're um, nice. You saved me from the Brino Clydesdale or whatever you called it. Yeah, and so they, uh, she's like, okay, fine, for the night, and then she goes with him back the next day to sell some more parts um, to the trader guy, and the trader guy's like, ah, I'm going to give you one portion or whatever, and and then it's just like, but I'll give you 60 portions if you give me that droid, and uh, she's all like, no, droid's not for sale, although she does think about it for <laughs> For a little longer than she probably should be. That's it's like, hey, it's uh, a, that's a lot of homemade being. fruit roll-ups for uh, a droid. Um, no, 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 it's it's rehydrating bread. Well, the the bread was one thing, but then she was like eating straight out of the package the thing that looked like a fruit roll-up. Oh yeah, uh, it was but, like, a multi oh, she, she put her bread thing in the bowl, but she totally spilled something. Like you think she would be more careful if she only gets like a quarter portion? Yeah. yeah. You know, and I'm a little disappointed. It didn't rehydrate into a bread bowl. Like if it didn't just like make the bread around some water, and then make a little soup inside. That would have been great. Well, she had to do it herself. You have to tear the top off, and then you can eat the top, and you put, you put your... That's too your much work. Ch- chili it's too much work. Inside. If you're going to go through all the trouble of rehydrating bread, why do you want to go through all that work? <laughs> of pouring water on the powder? Yeah. Well, I thought it was a cool shot. Anyway, so... No, it was very cool. She... 
you know, has the whole thing of like, oh, I'm not going to sell the droid, etc. Um, meanwhile, that crashed ship that we had uh, digressed from earlier, uh, there was that that line about the uh, the sinking sands, which explains why the Tie Fighter sinks underneath the the ground so fast and then explodes. Um, but not before uh, Finn gets uh, uh, Poe's jacket, uh, his sweet leather jacket, which was attached to the outside of the glass window. He reached through the glass. Yeah, I guess. And, uh, but the, uh, but this is one of those things where, like, the second it happened, I was like, Poe isn't dead. He's just off somewhere else. Yeah. And that's the whole reason why they had the sinking sand so that he couldn't go through the wreckage and find that there was no body. Like, that, that, that was, that was why we had to get that off camera really fast and blow Although, it up. Uh, for uh, a movie like this that appeals to such a broad audience, uh, they are not afraid to kill people, which is, uh, good for filmmaking purposes. But uh, yeah, we we know Poe's not dead because we don't see him being dead. Yeah, and uh, you know, they, it's just like okay, well, this is it's fine. I'm gonna go wander through the desert aimlessly until I happen to come across, uh, coincidentally, a very very small planet. I uh, happen to come across the exact place where uh, Daisy Ridley and BB-8 are, and uh, they go to. Uh, uh, he sees BB-8, and BB-8 sees uh, him wearing Poe's jacket, and BB-8 is not happy about that, and tells uh, Daisy Ridley to go kick his butt, and Daisy Ridley <laughs> kicks his butt, <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, th- there's the the whole thing of where uh, we finally get some stormtroopers who show up down on the planet um, and talk to the two guys who had just tried to steal BB-8, um, and they're like, yeah, that that's the droid over there, and then so they go off and just start laying waste to everything and calling in for air support and TIE fighters are flying down and blasting the entire city. Uh, so well, there's a couple of useful things. He lies about being part of the resistance. So uh, BB-8 stops electrocuting him. And so Ray stops hitting him. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. We, we got earlier that BB-8 was a uh, orange and white uh, droid, uh, custom one of a kind, which is important because you need to know that there's not a bunch of just BBAs rolling around that could confuse people potentially. And uh, let's see, what was the other? Oh, the other thing that I really liked was that when the uh, Tie Fighter started coming down, you just get that like slight hint of the audio, and we all know the sound of a Tie Fighter these days, and so does John Boyega. So as soon as he hears that little bit, he's like, "Oh crap, we got to get out of here pretty much immediately." And uh, it's a good thing they did because the uh, stormtroopers are pretty quick and efficient at laying waste to a lot of these people. Yeah. And one of the things I really like, though, is the hand-holding thing. Um, <laughs> yes, that was great stuff. Why are you holding my hand? Stop doing that. Oh, she's so outraged by it, and properly so. Uh, and uh, But but there is sort of a reversal that happens where, you know, uh, she pulls his hand um, as they go towards uh, the ship, and she's like, oh, it's a quad, whatever it is. And, you know, it's. Uh, and he's like, well, what about that ship? And she's like, that hunk of junk, you know, whatever. And it's off screen, so we don't see what it is. And then the quad, whatever it is, blows up uh, from TIE Fighter Fire. And she's like, nope, we'll take the piece of junk. And then turns around and uh, we get the reveal and sweeping little musical motif moment of, uh, of the Millennium Falcon with some uh, little tents. <laughs> set she shoots it. on top of it and yeah. stuff. And yeah, it was, uh, I think people applauded uh, and or laughed when they saw that. But they, uh, oh, yeah, they people, were all very appreciative. People in my theater cheered. Um, and so they uh, got into 
the Millennium Falcon, and she's like, oh, this thing hasn't flown in years or whatever. Um, I don't know why she's keeping track of its flight record, but whatever. Uh, she She's probably just familiar with the fact that it hasn't moved in a very long time. Yeah, well, it, there's not a lot to do on this planet other than just watching it. Um, so they... <laughs> Uh, watching it looks your... appropriately beat to crap too, which is quite nice. Yeah, well, the inside even looks dirty. Uh, like the beige wall covering nodules are all covered in grime, uh, and so they uh, they take off in this, and it's not going super smoothly. Uh, it, it kind of like sort of seems to not completely evenly lift off of the ground and drag <laughs> along the ground, uh, making a total mess of everything uh smashed into that big archway thing on the at the front of the junkyard area thing yeah it kind of reminded me of galaxy quest when they go to take the ship out of the dry dock and they just keep hitting everything (laughs) scraping Um, along the wall yeah they're they're just scraping it on everything uh total mess but you know it's the millennium falcon it can take it can take a beating uh they get the the old freighter up off the the ground and he's like no you gotta fly low because that'll confuse their their trackers and uh they you know, or hugging the deck, as they say, uh, and flying over dunes and stuff, and uh, he's shooting at him from uh, the old, good old gunnery turret uh, with our little uh, planes with the little sphere thing in the middle for tracking and stuff. Because mm-hmm. um, just like the good old days, uh, <laughs> peak, peak of peak of modern gunnery technology. And so they fire on the TIE fighters, and it, it, it goes okay until they, like, lock the uh the that gunnery chair thing in in the forward facing position and so he can't shoot anything anymore um and so he's like you're gonna have to come up with something else and she she comes up with the solution of flying through old broken ships um which we saw in the trailer uh and we get some very dramatic shots of all of this stuff happening uh and uh then they 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 swing back out of it uh, in just the perfect way so that the the gun position lines up with the TIE fighter and he takes a shot and uh, destroys it. Uh, and then they fly off off of Jakku. Um, it, was a, it was a very awesome looking chase scene and it, that bit where she, yeah, she does like a flip with the ship and shuts off the power so it rotates just in the right way and he shoots it. That was pretty rad. Oh, it was so good. And to all of the people... Uh, out there who were all like oh thank god it's a return to practical effects and you know it's all about the real filmmaking and blah 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 blah, blow it out your your butts people <laughs> like this, this is all computers <laughs> everything about this movie uh, is computer like, we we don't we would spend way too much time and way too uh, to get our... I, I just want to quickly say like if you if you enjoyed that at all <laughs> then then i just want you to 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 examine your uh, your prejudice against people using computers to do things mm. yeah this movie's rad. Yes, it is. Um, all, all of the computers, of people working really hard on it, and a lot of computer usage. All of the computers really deserve all the applause you can give them. Also, no, the people no, using the that. computers. The people using the computers. <laughs> uh, I, I stayed through the end credits, and uh, I caught uh, Todd Vaziri's name in the, uh, the 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 big old section there at the end. Um, yeah, I saw him too. He was yeah. over there on the right. And I sent him. I sent him a thing. I said, "Hey, buddy," because um, you know it's just fun to do that. To to acknowledge people that you know in credits and things uh i also like that the uh the vfx credits were uh, a little higher up in this movie than uh, a lot of other movies yeah well you know they they used them (laughs) a lot a lot of them (laughs) yes uh and so they get out of jeku and then uh immediately there's some sort of potential gas leak and so they go set about fixing it uh and while they're doing that uh they hear a noise and they're uh subsumed in some sort of whale shark ship um 
which is mostly just like a giant bay on one side. And so they they get in and they think like, oh no, it's it's the Imperials. Like, uh, sorry, the First Order guys. They they found us. Like, we're all going to be dead. And he's like, can we turn that poison gas back on? And then he explains that their their masks don't filter out toxins, only smoke. And it's like, okay, well, it's it's a weird design. Um, but <laughs> thanks for knowing that. Uh, and then they uh, open the door and it's a uh, Han and Chewie. Uh, with the you know the the chewy we're home and mm-hmm. uh they they're, hear- they're hiding under the floorboards and they're they're doing apparently a very bad job of their plan of releasing the gas because they're making noise and han walks over and opens the crate and goes like what oh what no chewy opens the crate he just lifts it right off because right, well, that, that crate had been so heavy they were all struggling with it so it just he's shows the, yeah he's the strong yeah. one yeah i don't know if you're aware of this dan but uh you, you don't want to you don't want to mess with a wookie um and so they he pulls off the the crate thing and then they, they he gives them a hard time about the whole situation uh and trying to figure it out and she explains the uh ownership um <laughs> the the chain of titles or whatever that happened with the, the the ship beforehand um she keeps track of a lot of stuff and she also says she noticed the compressor thing and uh it's just it's interesting she she has so, a lot of she has a lot of interests for somebody who lives in the foot of an at at walker in the desert <laughs> it's a tiny tight-knit community and there's not a whole lot of social drama going on so the you, you kind of hook onto the stories a little bit yeah or you know she's just reading like uh manuals every day she just finds an old chips um i would assume uh she's she's also an ace pilot for somebody who's never lifted off of the ground higher than like five feet uh, well, she's got her, her refrigerator bike thing so yeah, you are pretty good on that no it's the same principle really um yeah motorcycle starship same thing yeah uh so she she gets uh they have this whole exchange and he's like okay well i'll let you guys off you know somewhere but you know i'm keeping this thing and she, they you know try to win han over with the whole resistance thing and you're like we got to get this bb8 you know unit to to somebody that can help us uh and all, all this stuff and then all of a sudden uh oh uh people showed up and well, uh, they, they finally hook him with the uh the name drop of the luke skywalker and then we, there's the moment from the trailer yes all of this true and I, I guess at this point since the the jedi have been gone for so long and there are relatively few sith as well at this point that the concept of the force and uh, jedi and sith is sort of bordering on myth and rumor so the the confirmation here is kind of uh big news for uh ray and finn which i thought was a nice touch as well well it makes it makes more sense that ray is surprised by this um but finn was just on a ship and a ground mission with um someone who was using the force so it's well, he was he was basically yeah. peeing his pants the whole time. So I don't think he really has much of a, you think a, he was a, just a, a history of the whole thing <laughs> uh, about how it went down and how these people came to be. He just knows that this guy is uh, kind of frightening and he's staring at me and his mask is shiny. Yeah. Also, he might not be super familiar with the Jedi side of things since he was basically trained um, only by these uh, First Order guys. Although he came out pretty OK in spite of all that. Uh, and they but the uh, unfortunately, some of the gangs the smuggler gangs have shown up and they want to collect their stuff. And then he's all like, uh, trying to get out of it. It's very reminiscent of our Han Solo from, uh, a new hope, uh, when we first meet him and he's a smuggler. Um, cause he's uh, a smuggler again. 
and yeah. uh, tries to he, talk his way out of getting captured and or killed. Uh, I like I like that line how he always tries to talk his way out. Of it. <laughs> yes, I do. And then uh, he tries to pin it on the other guys who aren't there, and then oops, turns out they're there. So bad news. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. You can just like open a door on somebody else's spaceship, though. Uh, walk right in, but especially they, if you um, pull a fuse. That that was. Uh, that's that was not, something that was used a couple times, and that's a little silly. Well, I mean, Star Wars is also the universe where you shoot a door lock, and it either locks the door or it opens the door. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I mean, you know, it's it's uh, that's, that's how I they're built. It, it depends on the angle that you fire at the the door locking mechanism, I suppose. But uh, so the they have the the situation unfold where they. Uh, uh, get into this comical weird thing in this t-intersection where bad guys on one side bad guys on the other side uh finn and ray underneath the grate uh pulling the fuses and han and solo up top on the grate and uh the wrong fuse gets pulled and the rathar things that they had briefly mentioned um are suddenly now more relevant to the story <laughs> the the teethy octopus monsters that just apparently uh, as soon as they get a hold of you they eat you unless you're finn yes and they also roll um the rolling is important. The rolling helps. Uh, but the, the uh, yeah, I think it was a little suspicious that they, they're like, no, we want to save this one for later. We're just going to carry him around as I roll, which would, would not be at all inconvenient for me. Uh, while everyone else is like destroyed immediately. Uh, so, you know, maybe they just didn't have as many hit points. Um, so they, Ray rescues him by closing that door in that junction uh, and, and, she has she has a funny little line about you know oh that's convenient how that worked out for you huh and mm. so they uh they they decide maybe now is the time to leave this ship um since there are these um rolling beasts of death on board uh and that also maybe the gang people are also not great to be around uh and so they uh they pile onto the millennium falcon and blast off from the large cargo hauler thing that they had uh, back back into their old new life mm-hmm. once and unfortunately more. some of the the gang members are not dead and they see uh bb8 so they basically radio ahead to the first order and go like hey uh han solo's got uh the droid you're looking for so now he's in it too unfortunately yes yes and uh they he, he knows han solo knows just the place to take him um which is uh to mas Kanata, uh who we don't know at all um, from anything, but there appears to have been a rapport that they have generated between these characters, at least over the past 30 years. Potentially, he knew her from before, and they just didn't mention her. He knows all the proprietors yeah. of seedy bars full of weird aliens. Yes. Well, I mean, it's important. That's where all your your top clientele is. You wouldn't want to disappoint those top clientele. Bad things happen. Um, so they uh, go and they, they land on the planet, and Daisy Ridley's like, oh, I didn't think there was so much green in the whole galaxy. Um, which, which is just one of those things that I always find entertaining because, you know, Star Wars monoclimate planets, um, <laughs> it, 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 they, they always just fascinate me. Uh, so this one is a, uh, like, forest with river planet, um, I would yeah, guess. It's got, it's yeah. got some water, too. Well, that's what, it's what, like large rivers. Because, um, like, from space, it was all squiggly. Uh, so they get down there and they land. And uh, they they go to this what looks like an old temple that's been converted to to a cantina bar thing, uh, and inside there is a colorful cast of characters very similar to a New Hope, and we also meet uh, Maskanada who is um, a, a sort of a orange hippie Yoda who doesn't use the Force but knows of the Force, <laughs> and she's a thousand years old um, at so. least. 
Yeah. And you can tell because she has very thick glasses. Yes, yes. All the better to see you with, my dear. Uh, and, I, I, you know, as computer-generated characters in films go, not the worst. Um, it, it, <laughs> helps, it helps that she is not too human-like, uh, that she differs more than Snoke does, because Snoke is too human-like and gets into uncanny land. And I think that she's just weird enough that you can kind of get away with most of it. I wish she hadn't been as saturated, though, um, because she just turns into the sort of orange thumbprint in some shots. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, it's fine. And so as as character animation goes, uh, her her facial expressions were quite good. Yeah, I found her lips were like a little too thin. um, And so it was kind of weird when she would talk that. I would kept staring at her tiny little lips on her tiny little mouth, but uh, it, it also worked a little better. Like when she took the the glasses off, um, her Edna Mode goggles, they were because uh, that was also made her eyes a little less smeary. Like there was plenty of detail there around the eyes, and so when she's having her heartfelt moments later on, um, uh, without those on, it, it works out a little better, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what's nice about the cantina here is there, the, amongst the colorful cast of characters, we apparently have uh, a droid working for the Resistance uh, who calls in to the Resistance that that the, the droid has been spotted. And we have uh, an operative working for uh, the First Order who calls into the First Order that the droid has been spotted. So it's, it's, it's a nice little comedy moment of, uh, you know, who, which one of them is going to show up first. And... Which I think even Finn appropriately estimated when uh, Han Solo said they're going down to this place. He's like, well, is it safe? Do they have any uh, First Order sympathizers down there? He's like, eh, don't worry about it. It's like, well, probably should have worried about it a little bit, because turns out he was kind of right to be suspicious of that. Yeah, well, he I mean, he's a big deal, though, so, you know. Sure, they're not gonna they're not going to mess with him. <laughs> uh, I love him. Um, Finn, Finn, Finn worked out well. I like him. Uh, and... So, uh, there, there's some exchange of dialogue here, uh, around this table, uh, and it's very clear that Maz wants Han to talk to Leia. Uh, she's, she's fully briefed on the situation and, uh, does not approve of him, like, avoiding Leia, uh, and running away from his problems. And it's also clear that, uh, Finn doesn't really want any part of the resistance at all. He just wants to, like, leave as, run as far away as possible like he he's not like aspiring to be a fighter of any sort he wants to just go uh and so he uh goes over to the table where uh he makes his arrangements to leave towards the outer rim and uh daisy really is very disappointed by all of this um and while she's walking around she hears something down this uh stairwell uh and she's not sure what it is exactly uh, it just sounds like somebody sort of like screaming or yelling or something. Something's happening. She goes down there, uh, walks down a spooky little hallway, uh, and then a door, which is locked, is suddenly unlocked and opens. And inside, there is a box. Uh, and in the box, there is a lightsaber. Uh, and when when she uh, reaches for it, all of a sudden, the whole room shifts and turns into the uh, one of the hallways in Bespin um, from the cloud mining facility where Luke fought Vader Uh, and it like all spirals into place with arches and stuff. And then that all spirals out of place and they're, they're in some place around a fire and there's R2 and uh, what presumably is Luke, of course, putting his hand on R2 and uh, there's 
people dying and uh, Kylo Ren is killing people and uh, she's r- trying to run away. It's very, it's very kinetic and there's a lot of action and we're moving from one thing to the other very quickly. It is probably the most interesting force-related dream that we've seen uh, in any of these movies. <laughs> <laughs> what, you don't look like... Uh... Luke running around in the hallucination forest and cutting his own head off or whatever? I I, I mean, I like what that does in terms of story, but how it was executed, you know, they, they it, I mean, it, it just doesn't even come close to what you can do nowadays where you, like, can just, like, spiral things in off of screen and, like, have them flicker onto life and stuff. So it, it's a little more, it sells it better, uh, the, the sort of surreal, otherworldly nature of it rather than just, like, making it sort of stuttery. Um, and as well as in the prequels when Anakin would have those horrible dreams and it would just be like, you know, fractal cloud stuff and like strobing lights and like, <laughs> uh, chromatic aberration over Natalie Portman's face. Like yeah, that like, uh, a cloud vignette over like a tiny little piece of video. And then uh, a lot of close up uh, shots of Anakin's sweaty face that, that didn't sell the force as a predictive forward looking kind of thing for me. Uh, and of course, she's seeing the past here, um, so it, it is actually sort of interesting in that way. And she does uh, see some future with the, mm-hmm. the the snow fight. Yeah, and after this all dissolves away, uh, Maz has found her way down there, and uh, she talks to Ray, and she's like, "Oh, you should totally keep this lightsaber you just found because you know it speaks to you and stuff, and like you you should do that." And I'm like, "I can't use the force, but I can totally tell that something's going on here." So take it. And she's freaked out by this and doesn't want any part of it. And uh, now she's starting to realize that maybe uh, she does kind of want to run away from that because that's a lot of pressure. All of a sudden she got put on her uh, and she, she bolts out of there uh, and, and sort of runs as far as, as she can get uh, and, and, Meanwhile, back inside of the... Uh, well, before, before we go meanwhile, can we take yeah. a quick sidebar on her awakening? Because I think that there is a brief mention of it in here, but there was also a, a large mention of it in the trailer and, of course, the title of the film. Um, I, I'm mm-hmm. a little unclear as to what exactly caused her awakening uh, with her Force-related uh, stuff. Is it just proximity to the lightsaber? I'm not sure exactly. Uh if it was any one particular thing or if it's just sort of like she was just slowly starting to come into her own. And then this was just sort of like a tipping point with that. Um, Because it, it, you know, like when you're waking up and you like are a little awake, but you're not really conscious of what time it is. And you're like, Oh God. And then you'd like turn, toss and turn a little. And you're like, maybe if I don't get up, then it'll be okay. And you see what time it is. And you're like, Oh, my alarm's not going to go off for another five minutes. I should just lay here. Um, it's like, it's kind of like that kind of awakening. Like she, there's some things that go conveniently for her and like, uh, things that work well in her direction. And, um, she seems to have a, a sort of otherworldly sense about what's going on. Uh, and then she finally gets this moment where everything like, comes completely awake for her uh where where you know she's definitely has something she has some major connection to the force uh not not just a little tiny itty, itty bitty connection to the force we get more of that uh as well later on but so she's yeah. she starts to stretch her legs i guess with relation to her her own personal potential and then she comes into contact with uh 
the lightsaber that formerly belonged to the current head of the Jedi, whatever, whatever they're calling them. Well, I don't think she's, something. I don't think she's aware or conscious of any connection that she has to the force. I think, I, I don't, I don't think that she really understands it until she is captured by Kylo Ren and interrogated right. much later. That's when I think the light bulb, you know, really clicks on for her. Uh, it, I mean, inter- maybe it's just yeah. that she hasn't had much of a, uh, an opportunity to use it because she lives in a place with like four people uh, and not all, n- like no other humans, really. Uh, maybe a couple. But uh, she just doesn't have uh, an opportunity to interact with uh, folks in, in, in a fashion that would allow her to use her forcingness. But yeah, I mean, yeah, there's... I mean, uh, and when you're on a sand planet, nobody can check your midichlorian levels, as we've seen in previous films. Unless they have a, uh, a lady razor microphone. Mm-hmm. And you do it over the radio. <laughs> God, uh, we 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 nobody used the word midichlorians in this movie, did they? No one mentioned it. Also, Good. notably, there are no musical cues from uh, the prequel trilogy. Um, oh, that's, uh, there were a lot of uh, nice uh, references to the original trilogy that I mean were also used in the prequels. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't notice anything. I guess what would uh, the 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 Darth Maul song would be the big one. <laughs> Darth Maul song. I can't duel. remember the name. You always the say Duel it. of the Fates. Dan. There you go, Duel of the Fates. It's, yeah. uh, it's not in here. No, Duel of the Fates is not in here. Um, the uh, uh, the the hero uh, one from the third one, uh, the love song, you know, which would be really out of place. Um, <laughs> the, mm. None of those are here. Uh, none of the none of the action cues of that are here either. Like the the marching droids and stuff. Um, like the that that stuff. It's not it's not here. Like there there is either stuff that references. Uh, the the original trilogy, or there's new stuff. There is there's nothing from um, the George Lucas prequels. Well, that's just fine and dandy. Yeah. Uh, well, I just thought it was an interesting thing to note. You know, <laughs> I'm sure you did. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, she runs off into the forest because she's uh, like freaked out at whatever she just saw. And meanwhile, um, both the First Order and the Resistance are aware of their location. They both want the thing, so they both show up to try and get the thing. Well, the First Order really shows up with a considerable lead time. Well, they, a little bit, yeah. They level the uh, the building. They're uh, not and- super considerate bad guys. They are just like, kill everything and then we'll find the droid. <laughs> They're like, it's so much easier for us to just pick through bodies. Let's just blow it all up. Um, one of the things that I find a little sad about when they blow up the, the temple, um, not not that, you know, blowing up the temple in and of itself is not sad, but it's just when it crumbles um, apart, uh, the volume of stone is not the volume of stone that you see on the ground. Um, maybe some of it was disintegrated or something, but... Yeah, you don't uh, know how yeah. strong those blasters are on their ships. It could, it could vaporize stone. Yeah, and also the uh, downstairs area um, was not as impacted. <laughs> are, are you talking about specifically like the the? It's pretty early in that sequence where uh, Kylo lands and he sort of like walks through that like hollow archway that is no longer attached to a building, and he's got a relatively clear path of walking. Yeah, well, I'm talking about that in terms of the missing rubble. But uh, when I was talking about the downstairs area, I meant that. Um, uh, when they're in the basement oh, oh the underneath in the uh in the the jedi archive museum thing <laughs> it's not, it's it, you know it's it's maz's basement it's 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 not even like i saw some people say it was like a force cave or something like that it's like it's not really like it's just it, it's literally like a storage room yeah it's a bar um, it's where you store the kegs that are, you're not using yet and like uh all, all of your snacks and things it just had happened to have an item that was strongly connected to the force uh you know and m- most i'm not sure how much of that connection to the force has to do with 
you know, the fact that it was used to kill children or <laughs> the fact that uh, it was, you know, belonged to uh, Luke, uh, but it, it's uh, important. And uh, one of the other interesting things about this is uh, Han Solo asks Maz how she got that. And, uh, and she, she dismisses it out of hand as like, you know, we're not just not going to get into it. Like it, it's, it, we're, we'll discuss that some other day like that this is not the time um also in terms of story not super relevant no it, which is a good thing too because i didn't really need to hear the like the the certificate of authenticity from where it was picked up in the bespin shaft all the way until now <laughs> it would have been fine uh you know needless to say someone collected it at some point in the last 30 years and brought it to her uh for uh i would sure i'm sure a pretty penny and she she parts with it uh she's like you know you need to take this and bring it to uh, uh ray and do all the stuff and like finn had run back over because you know he's like oh they're blowing up stuff and now i'm worried about ray more than i am worried about saving my own skin um and so and it's mostly because uh he wanted to flee but he was conflicted because she was being super nice to him and kind of trying to get him to be honorable because she's she's a very honorable character uh but uh on his way out he he discovers that the first order's there and he's like well crap this is probably mostly my fault so i should probably make sure she's okay yeah and uh so there's a bit of a little fight thing here over stuff and things some some good fight stuff in here yeah and uh what's interesting though is that uh they give finn the lightsaber and just like yeah you got a weapon use it and (laughs) i was just like wait a minute i thought you had to like train to use a lightsaber because you know it's a blade of like energy that cuts through anything um except for like a couple things <laughs> and i mean it's mostly just a, a fancy sword so i mean any kid who's run around hitting stuff with a stick uh has basic familiarity with how a sword might work yeah except you know you don't know all the tricks about like deflecting blasts and, and oh yeah which is evident because he doesn't do any of that no but he he also uh gets into that fight with the stormtrooper who happens to have the the energy pole which is specifically designed to deflect a lightsaber fight I actually like that thing. It was pretty cool. It's basically like a police side handle baton, but it's electrified on one end and a little bit longer. Yeah. Well, I just thought it was interesting, though, that they're equipped with that. Because it's like, how often does that come up in your line of duty that you need one of those? Well, it's like like a baton that they always carry uh, along with a firearm. And uh, this one just happens to have uh, electric-y bits on it, too. So it's like a taser and a baton. Yeah. And so they... It's standard police issue. Well, they they duel and fight and stuff, and uh, Finn kills him. Uh, and I thought, I thought Finn was losing and then like, uh, Han showed up and killed the guy who was about to like smack him in the head. Cause he was on the ground. Uh, he was not winning that fight. Somebody oh, right. Saved him. You're right. You're right. He, he, he killed the first guy before, um, dueling, uh, electro blade guy showed up. Oh, right. He like pokes him or something. Yeah. He stabbed them through the chest. Uh, and so then, uh, Han used the bowcaster and he's like, ah, oh, I got me one of those. Cause he, <laughs> really has never touched it before yeah i mean it's it's weird it's like you know you were never like hey let me try that thing before in 30 years since the battle of endor i guess chewie's a little protective of his gear but he gets hit in the arm or something right so that's why he picks up the the what's it called a bowcaster yeah sounds like a like a fender guitar (laughs) that'd be a pretty sweet guitar uh fender bowcaster yeah um so anyway there's there's fighting and fighting happens and 
unfortunately, Kylo Ren shows up again in his sweet little ship, and uh, he uh, goes off after uh, uh, Rey. He's also being chased by BB-8, right? Where, I mean, I don't know. Do we think it's because he like senses uh, Rey or something with the, the Force and whatnot, or does he actually see BB-8 cruising through the trees or something? I'm not sure exactly. Um, well, he's there, which yeah. is... So, I mean, basically, uh, Han and Finn are surrounded by stormtroopers, so they're not going anywhere, and uh, Ray's out in the woods, so Kylo's going to go get her. Yeah, and so they have a little thing that happens here where Ray tries to fire on him, and it... it well, it just doesn't go very well, because no, obviously... Not so much. Obviously, Kylo Ren is a little better at this than she is, uh, and uh, he captures her uh, and realizes that she knows she that she's seen the map, um, and so she's good enough um, rather than having the map specifically. And so he calls off the attack now that he has her. Uh, I don't I don't exactly remember where BB Eight is, but he kind of like runs away and. It's also well, she, sort of, she told him to go towards the Falcon, I think. Oh, okay. But yeah. also sort of intermixed in this. There is the first sort of attempt at, of uh, John Boyega to, to fight Kylo, right? That, that's also in here, too, because he gets, like, she gets thrown against... No, that's the, the other fight later, isn't it? Yeah, Doesn't... that's the other fight later. It, okay. Like, she, she is just overwhelmed and taken away. Uh, and uh, they, the X-Wings show up and blow up all the TIE Fighters, uh, and they, they do some fancy flying. Uh, and they're, they're, they're very accurate uh, with their weapons as well, because they're, they're picking off stormtroopers running around down there, but they don't kill any of the good guys. That's that's good. Yes, yes. Well, it's sort of strange credulity in terms of like what we've seen X-Wings do in the past, uh, in terms of what these ones do. And I know that they're newer models and everything. <laughs> Maybe Oscar Isaac was raised uh, bullseye and womp rats, too, so that's, yeah. you know, they're... they're, they're human sized in his t16 back home but uh so sure. they they, he, they they're picking off stormtroopers from the air while they speed by and they're also like pivoting around like crazy and outmaneuvering tie fighters which uh seems implausible but whatever they they pick them all off uh and they, well he's he's some pilot uh even finn watching from the ground says that's some pilot yes and and we're all like oh hey look he's not dead <laughs> well we already saw he's not dead because yeah as they're flying it over the water we go hey that's that guy that didn't die yeah well i mean it took me a second to realize you know he's wearing the helmet and everything the visor thing over his face and i was like it looks like the same guy and i was like oh yeah that's that's that sounds him. like the same i mean you, you yes. probably haven't seen a lot of movies with oscar isaac and have you no i think this yeah. might be my first he's a he, he's 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 a guy so we've seen i've, I've seen him before okay yeah have you ever seen the movie Oscar with Sylvester Stallone? I, I don't think I have. Oh, well, don't do that. Um, so, anyway. He's, he's in that movie Drive that I like, which you probably haven't seen. No, I haven't seen that. Yeah, he's also in, uh, what, Inside Lewin Davis. That's the other one. I haven't seen that either. Yeah. Isn't that the one with a cat or whatever? Uh, there's a cat and a guitar. I thought there was Bob, something about a cat. And Bob Dylan. Oh. Oh, God, Bob Dylan. <laughs> well, Wretched. he's only in it for, uh, well, he's like his, his shadow is in it for a few minutes. Ugh. Bob Dylan is the worst. Anyway. Um, so anyway, they they uh, peel off out of this situation with uh, with Ray, uh, no longer needing BB-8 since they got her, uh, and he like force sleeps her, um, which is a trick um, that we haven't quite seen demonstrated before, but is interesting. And well, he, they, he's like force controlling people's brains, so maybe he just like smacked her brain against her skull and gave her a brief like concussion and knocked it, her out. That's possible. 
Um, it's just small embolism. Um, so, although it is slightly curious that uh, he can see inside her head and see that she has seen the map, which is enough for him to say, like, yeah, we don't need the droid. But he hasn't yet seen that she has any sort of ability to resist his powers because I guess she hasn't tried yet. No, uh, that happens later. Um, so they they peel off out of there, and uh, General Leia's ship uh, shows up uh, flying horizontally, and uh, she gets out onto the battlefield. Uh, and they, there's a moment between her and Han, and uh, C-3PO interrupts and introduces himself as C-3PO. Uh, but, you know, he probably didn't recognize him because of his red arm. And <laughs> That was uh, nice where they had the nice over-the-shoulder, and 3 just kind of, like, pokes his head in from outside of frame and goes, Hello! <laughs> I'm distracting you now. I mean, I... I as as we've established, I kind of like C three PO most of the time. Um, even though that most people find him grating and in, <laughs> and uh, annoying, but but I I, I I you know I don't know what it is something something about me being grating and annoying. I suppose <laughs> he's endearing, uh, but he lacks a little bit of self awareness. Yes, who who can't say that? But uh, so read the tone, three PO. <laughs> this is we're having a moment here. But that's 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 what makes him so special. He can't read the tone at all. Um, but he's supposed to be a protocol droid, uh, which is ironic. Uh, but I guess that's what happens when a small child assembles you in the desert. But uh, so, and he has his mind wiped uh, later on, so he doesn't remember that. And then he's lived for many years and uh, been through a lot, so he's a little broken, I think. And he, he has a red arm. Yeah, um, <laughs> which is entertaining, uh, as opposed to the you know the the leg thing, uh, which I think that was mainly a reference to. But uh, it also gave him the excuse of having that line. Uh, it was weird, though, that they went with a sort of a, a brushed look to his his suit this time, rather than uh, the usual shiny 3PO. So, well, he, he's yeah. aged a bit. He's got, he's got a little of the, the, the older, older gentleman salt and pepper droid thing going on. <sighs> that's, not, that's not how metal works. <laughs> um, but anyway, so they, they peel off out of there. And uh, they... Uh, go towards the planet with the rings and stuff and they land at the rebel base uh and and they're like hey so we got you here on our rebel base now we're talking to and stuff and then uh back over on uh the the laser moon um <laughs> which apparently is called star killer base uh which is a name that's that's quite a name i mean uh, it kills stars yes i mean it kills systems too yeah well <laughs> Let's let's briefly discuss the mechanics of that later on when the story unveils the internal rules for it. Uh, but the uh, so they they land on Starkiller Base and uh, we we have the interrogation with Ray um, and uh, I don't I, we haven't talked about it right now, but uh, we, we haven't talked about it up till now. But uh, there there's a lot of uh, wide angle lenses in the this film. Um, <laughs> does that bother you? I, I mean, it doesn't bother me, except I, I just notice all the curviness of everything, and I'm just like, wow, this is that's interesting because I don't really remember a lot of curviness in Star Wars. Um, I do remember a lot of curviness in all of the other things that Mindel's ever shot. So I think this is more of Mindel putting his thumbprint on it rather well, than yeah. There's a little bit of JJ's inclination to get closer to the characters, which um, is not something that happens in the majority of the other star wars movies as much as it happens to this but uh he he likes to to move around and getting close to things and uh you benefit from some wider angles there and uh he, he did lots of lots of camera e things in this movie that were good yeah um i mean i'm not complaining i'm just saying it's a little different from star wars it's more it's definitely different than yeah. the other movies uh it is it is similar to um what mindel and jj did with uh the star trek reboots 
that they they both worked on uh and also uh Mindel worked on uh the amazing spider-man's so you know th- th- there's that uh yeah. it was only the second one though i think uh schwartzman did the first one or have might have that backwards jason uh, any- schwartzman the rushman guy the rushman no guy? different 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 dan <laughs> oh god this went horribly awry anyway so this is interrogation scene and it's all bendy and stuff because of the lenses and they're very close to faces uh so uh this is where uh very similar to the scene with oscar uh isaacs uh he is using the force to pry into her mind um and uh he can he talks about the different things that oh wait no well first he takes off his helmet before he does that yeah, she calls him a she calls him a monster in a helmet. Yeah. He takes his helmet off to sort of stare her down. And you're like, wait, you're not wearing a thing because you're horribly deformed and you need a breathing apparatus. Like, no, it's just like a military style helmet that maybe gives him like a nice heads up display or something in there. We're not entirely certain. But, no, uh, I I think it is a pure ego thing. He wants to be like Darth Vader. Oh, totally. I yeah. mean, that th- there are, there are probably practical reasons because soldiers wear helmets and stuff. Uh, but yeah, he's totally like trying to. I, I need to look scary and have something that tweaks my voice to creep people out. Yeah. And so, you know, his, his insecurity removed, um, cause he, he, he feels dominant in the situation, uh, cause he has her chained to the, you know, torture chamber thing from Empire Strikes Back. And, uh, he, he can use the force to pry into her mind. And, uh, she, at first we're like, oh no, this is not going to go very well. And then all of a sudden, uh, it does. Cause, she uh, when he says like oh well i can see that you uh you look at this planet with an ocean etc all this other stuff like he's uh, reading her dreams and stuff and tells her all the things like yeah i know what's going on in your head and then yeah and the ocean thing is nice for later on um because she does appear to have a connection with someone uh but here she sort of fights back uh, there are many close-up shots of reactions to things and people <laughs> scrunching their faces. Yeah, um, I, luckily, since uh, Adam Driver took his helmet off in this one, we can see that while he's doing his forcey hand thing against her brain, that it's not going as well as he would like, as, as noted by the fact that he looks confused and like he's struggling a little bit. Yeah, all, but I have to say, all in all, I think there are like five shots too many in this little montage. We get it. Like, There's, there's yeah. another spot in this movie that does something like that, too, where it's like, yeah. we get it. We get it. We can move yeah. past it. But we, yeah, I, like I knock it off this. with the close-ups. We're done. <laughs> we did look at it. and I'm like, uh, all right. He had to take his helmet off so we could see his face, and then we're we're gonna watch his face for a while because uh, he's he's frustrated. Again. Yeah, and then he can't get the information from her. Um, but then she uh, not only can fight back, but can also pry information from him. And so she's like, she discerns that he's actually afraid, in spite of all of his bluster. Yeah. Uh, well, they're and, doing a mind meld, so it's presumably if she like you know becomes aware of what he's doing, she she can see inside of him too. Yeah. I, well, I mean, that's how Vulcan mind melds work, Dan. Totally. You, you do like a forcey hand grip thing with a gloved hand, and then uh, you can see each mm-hmm. other's dreams. And they say, "Remember, if you're going to die." Anyway, so <laughs> there are probably some people who really like Star Wars that are very angry that we digressed <laughs> in that direction. But uh, well, it's basically a mind yeah. meld. Like she's yeah, not like yeah. actively trying to like read no, his I mind. Know. It's I just know. they're, they're I, doing the thing. Yeah, but uh, so anyway, they they break off from that. Uh, yeah, he and fails, he, and he's got to go report to Snoke, and he's like, hey, remember that thing where I said we didn't need the droid because we have her? Turns out she's got some forcey, forcey strength, and uh, that's very interesting, but also I can't get the map out of her because she's got forcey strength. And then the uh, the military guy's all like, oh, God, you're totally screwing the pooch on this. <laughs> I, I, I really like General Hux. Um, when we first saw him in the first scene, I was like, this guy is 
is just like why I'd even bother having this person. And then I realized, oh, this is actually great having him because he's he's <laughs> a he's the foil to um, uh, Adam Driver and uh, and a different way than uh, some of the other movies have have had these sorts of interac- interactions. Like in A New Hope, uh, Darth Vader reported to uh, Grand Moff Tarkin, but uh, Tarkin and Vader respected each other. Um, whereas that other guy who was at the table who did not respect Vader, uh, didn't have any power, uh, like politically. So he, he, you know, got force choked out of, you know, rebuking, uh, Vader. Uh, whereas in this situation, uh, General Hux is, has political power. So Kylo Ren can't just like off him. Um, can't just, I was like, force so waiting him. for him to kill him because he throws a couple temper tantrums where he like destroys his office or whatever. I love but, the temper tantrums so much; they're pretty good. Uh, yeah. But I, I was, I was counting down the moments. I'm like, come on, choke him, throw him out a window, cut his head off with your sword, do something. No, but that's that's actually the really nice part of this uh, yeah. is that he he doesn't do it, and that that General Hux can just get under his skin. And General Hux here makes the case that they should uh, just go ahead and blow up. Uh, the Republic, because they're obviously funding the Resistance, and the Resistance uh, is is able to get away with all of this stuff. So, like enough puts enough, you know, messing around. Let's let's just get rid of them since this base is operational. Yeah, and, basically, they now have the droid. We thought we had the same information, and we were just going to beat them there because we have faster ships or whatever. Turns out we don't know where they're going, and uh, it's kind of our failsafe. We we can't like stop them from finding Luke. So let's just blow them all to hell. Yeah, and I mean it's not a great plan in that they weren't actually in that whole system that was destroyed, but it does throw the balance of power off a little bit. Uh now Snoke agrees with Hux to go ahead and fire the weapon and he tells Kylo to bring the girl before him. Um and so meanwhile, back inside of uh Daisy Ridley's cell, she uses uh she starts to realize that she has some influence over people um and it unfolds in uh, a comedic and interesting way where she tells the stormtrooper behind her to unlock uh, to release her and uh, uh unlock the door to the cell and leave and the stormtrooper is like what did you say and she says it again and he's like how about I tighten your restraints instead? And uh, it's 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 hilarious. But then she tries just a little harder, and then all of a sudden he's like, "I w- I will unlock your restraints and uh, uh, open the cell." And he goes at, he goes over and uh, opens the door, and she's like, "And and drop your gun." And then he drops his gun, and he's like, "I will drop my gun," <laughs> <laughs> and leaves. And so it's 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 and nice. the audience laughs and claps. Yeah, the whole audience laughed and clapped in my screening too. Uh, it, it, it was nice that no one was too, super obnoxious in their screening, except for whoever it was that pulled that fire alarm. But uh, so, unfortunately, that happened before the movie. But I I don't want to digress right now because this is a good part. Uh, so she leaves the cell with the blaster, and she's going to go make her way out of here. Uh, Kylo Ren goes back to the cell to bring her before Snoke. Uh, well, at least the hologram of Snoke. Uh, and I'm not sure what the hologram is going to do other than be like, I'm a really tall hologram. Um, but Maybe he's got uh, better force brain reading skills than Ren, and he can do it via remote chat or something. That, that would be weird. But uh, sure, why not? I mean, whatever at this point. We we don't get to see what it actually what, what would have happened. Uh, maybe he just wanted to have a casual conversation with her. Uh, but... 
he he comes across the fact that she's not there uh and he takes his lightsaber out and then he breaks everything and then two stormtroopers <laughs> in the hallway see all of the rubble and stuff flying out of there and the sparks and the one guy like puts his hand up to the other guy and then they both turn around and they quietly walk out of there and i was just like this is this is hilarious and everyone cheered and clapped again like yeah um, we're, we're, let's let's not let's go let's go take a 10 minute break and go get a cup of coffee we'll come back when he's cooled down maybe yeah i really like that also i like that uh in in star wars uh the original trilogy uh vader would just like force choke and kill anybody who upset him um kylo ren does not just force choke and kill anybody who upsets him but he destroys all of the office furniture uh so it is it is an interesting it is an interesting departure uh it it gives it gives him an outlet that does not um just like leave a trail of dead employees behind him uh i mean he might graduate to that level by the next movie but here he certainly doesn't do it and uh there the the interesting thing about this is uh right right after that star killer base goes ahead to fire uh and you know they're powered up and they're all ready to go and they fire their weapon and the red beam goes out and then it goes through space to some weird way and leaves a trail and then branches out and then destroys four planets and when i was watching it i was just like is that coruscant what's happening um because they don't really like define where the capital is and what the relationship of anything is but they blow up these things so maybe that was the capital they were referring to and i was like maybe they're threatening to blow up stuff it's the it's the hosnian system whatever that means but uh yeah yeah, well they they say the hosnian system later but they they don't say that right then uh, and what's also weird about this is that they can see this being destroyed from wherever they are in the galaxy, um, even the part where the little red lines branch. Um, you wouldn't be able to see that from, I mean, unless you're like next to it, but whatever. Uh, they Because they weren't in the Hosnian system, so how could they see these other planets be destroyed? Like, they would have to be as far away as our moon. <laughs> they, uh, were, they were Hosnian adjacent, and it's, very, it's a very bright laser thing because it's, it's built on sunlight, so... But it would diffuse through the atmosphere, and you wouldn't actually see any of that. It, we, anyway, all I'm saying... <laughs> it's concentrated sunlight. All I'm saying is it is it, it is not well executed. And it is one of those things that really bothers me when J.J. does this stuff, is that he makes space feel really tiny. I don't like it. Like, I like it when space feels big and vast, and, like, you have to travel places, and there is travel time. Like, even it, the original Star Wars... Like, they, they were on board the Millennium Falcon, you know, and uh, uh, Luke was practicing with a lightsaber, and they're playing chess. And, like, there was stuff happening in the story. Like, it wasn't just, like, boring wait time. Um, but none of that's here. It's all compressed so that you immediately go wherever you need to go to in the story and do whatever it is you need to do. And whenever you need to blow up something, you just blow it up. And it just blows up. No it took a really it long time for that beam to get across space. I didn't think it was like it's certainly not as quick as the Death Star blowing up uh, Alderaan. Well, it didn't really take a long time because if you we, we could watch it slowly move across the screen, and if it's moving at light speed, that's pretty slow. But they weren't even in the Hosnian system, so it must have been moving really fast. And also, it was moving fast. There was some line in there where they're like, "This is a, a hyperspace laser weapon or whatever." Um, so it, it it can move. If, it, if it's moving through hyperspace in order to blow up stuff, then we wouldn't necessarily see it either. So that doesn't really make any sense. But it's moving faster than the speed of light in order to get to the solar system um, that they are obviously not in. Uh, which raises another question of where this Starkiller base is. Like, do they move it? Does it move at all? Like, I don't, I don't understand. I don't think it moves. 
Well, see, that's also the interesting thing because there's still a star in orbit of uh, Starkiller Base uh, after they fire the weapon the first time. So were they draining from that one star in order to fire on the Hosnian system and they were draining from the same star when they go to fire on the Rebel Base? Or were there other stars in the system that they were pulling from? Or once that star was depleted, were they going to move this somewhere else? Because otherwise, they just used up their whole weapon. Like there's there's no more there's no more suns for them to use. Uh, so I, I I don't understand in the internal logic of this movie how this weapon functions. I don't care about like scientifically speaking. Like <laughs> I don't, none of that bothers me. Like the Death Star blows up planets, whatever. Like that that's all superfluous stuff. Like if you want to set up some rule that this happens, then fine, whatever. But if you're going to set up some rule that it's a countdown related to the life of the star. And that once the star is gone, then they'll be able to fire. And then it's like, well, okay, so you've created this visual ticking clock for us in this narrative. Which I loved. But the problem with that is now all I'm thinking about is what happens when that sun goes away and you can't fire this thing anymore. Uh, The practicalities of of financing this whole base construction so that you could fire (laughs) it twice um, no, it's, I, it's I, assume, I mean, they probably have to be able to move it. Either that or they have to have multiple stars they can source from. There's no really indication of how close the star has to be for them to use it. Um, I, I, you know, point taken, I suppose, but it didn't bother me in the slightest that they were able to hit uh, the Hosnian system from wherever they may have been and that there was another sun that they could have drawn from. Like, presumably... They built it as big as it was and as powerful as it was because they were mostly going to like it, – it's a long-range weapon, not so much just like a, a slightly shorter-range weapon like the Death Star. So they, they don't actually have to get as close. They can fire further distances and blow up bigger things. That's that's sort of how I read it. But yes, you, you are correct that there is a little bit of uh, non-explanation of where they get their power and how frequently they can use it and how if they're able to move. Well, not it's not that it's a non-explanation. It's that – they explain some of it, but it doesn't make any sense what they explained. Um, because they're very clear about the fact that it has this oscillator, that that's how they can control the power that they have stored from the sun that they're depleting, and that once it has depleted the sun that they can fire it. Um, they understand all of this stuff, and they can even like measure the fact that it has a shield up from another system that they're in. So there's a lot of... There's a lot of stuff that's happening that over long distances in the film. So maybe you're right, and that they can they can deplete some star from some solar system that they're not in. But why not just do that instead of blowing up planets? Uh, whatever. Um, so you mean like take away somebody's sun and freeze them out because they yeah. would die? Yeah. Uh, maybe they got really good HVAC on these planets now, so you don't necessarily need a sun to stay alive. <sighs> I know, but I mean, could you imagine the energy bills? It'd be ca- the the whole thing would be catastrophic. But uh, so anyway, they they have this plan where they do this thing, and they're like, you know what? We're gonna waste a shot on destroying the resistance base, which is obviously like a hundred people. So rather than sending our star destroyer and troops and tie fighters, we're just gonna we're gonna nuke them with such extreme power that they'll be totally annihilated, um, and and we'll lose a planet that could have like been farmland or something. Uh, so it, it's, it's weird. Uh, the, that is, that is the resolution to this. Uh, now general Hux did have before the firing of the weapon, like specifically right when it was about to go off. Uh, he, he had his big old speech, um, with, a a lot of, um, 
uh, I will say analogs to uh, Nazi Germany in here, like big red banners, uh, people all lined up, big big speeches, salutes and stuff. Uh, and the score through this part is a little uh, Indiana Jonesy, I will say. Uh, so, I, and the Empire was always supposed to be evocative of that. Uh, that was always Lucas's intention. So they they just went full bore on that with uh, the First Order here, uh, and and they're they're very happy about destroying the Despicable Republic. Um, which is, it's, it's all weird. Like, I don't know why they don't like them other than they're not in charge of them or something, but whatever. They're, they're, they blew them up. Because the they are they are tolerant and supportive of disorder uh, of the rebellion. So clearly they don't respect authority and they need to be taught a lesson is basically what he's saying. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Uh, but anyway, he's happy about it and he's going to destroy them. Uh, now, uh, Daisy's making her way through different hallways and stuff. And... Uh, Kylo Ren is concerned that, you know, as she spends time trying to get out of here, like she's going to discover that she can do more with the force and that it will cause more problems for, for that. So they lock down all the bays and whatever, but, uh, uh, Daisy Ridley is still going to try to try to leave as fast as she can. Um, now, meanwhile, back over at the resistance base, uh, they're all very sad about that thing that happened, um, that they could see from their planet. And uh, they they need to do something about this weapon. And John, John Boyega's character, Finn, is all like, oh, yeah, I totally know all about that. <laughs> I worked there. I helped build part of it. And it's totally vulnerable. If you, if you blow up this thing, it might do that thing. And He doesn't mention that he worked there at all until this point in the film. Um, so it was interesting. Uh, well, he, we assume that that's like their headquarters. So he's probably from there. I, I guess. Well, I mean, it's not their headquarters because Snoke is somewhere else. So. Well, maybe Snoke is in like a like a private bunker somewhere because it's wartime. If anything, this is like a regional branch office. Um, so they <laughs> and Hux is the reason is the uh, regional manager. Uh, so they uh, have their little conversation. There's holograms and stuff, and they're like, "We we don't know what to do about this. This is going to be a problem." Um, and the fleet was destroyed by the destruction of the Hosnian system. Which I have to be like, "Hey, wait! All of your ships were in the Hosnian system, like." Doesn't that seem weird not to like space them out a little bit, like in space? Who, like, whose fleet places? was destroyed? Well, the the Republic apparently had a fleet. Um, what their relation with the Resistance is, I'm not clear on. Uh, but but it is no longer with them. Uh, all they got are the the X wings down there on the planet, hmm. supposedly. Uh, and so they got to organize their plan with those X wings and. Uh, you know, Boyega comes up with the whole thing of like, oh, we can do this and attack here. And if you get me down on the planet, I can get the shields off. Um, and so it's like, okay, great. Because, well, you know, 90% of assaulting a base in Star Wars is getting the shields off. Uh, so they, they got to go do that. And uh, Han and Chewie are all like, yeah, we'll, we'll do this. Like, we got a plan. We'll get you down there. And uh, Leia's like, are you going to tell me what it is? And she, he's like, yeah, uh, you wouldn't like it if I did, so I'm not going to tell you. Uh, and Leia is still very concerned about her son, and you know wants him to almost Han to bring him home. And there's a really clunky line that she delivers, where there's still light in him. I, I you know, and it's just like that. That's supposed to be like Luke's line that he says, like there's still good in him. Yeah, um, I guess they didn't want to go too literal with copying that line. Unfortunately, but. it's a really clunky line when you when you change that to light, because um, that doesn't make a lot of sense. I yeah, mean, so th- there's that scene earlier where Kylo was talking to the the 
skull of Darth Vader or whatever. And he says, I, you know, I feel the call to the light, like help teach me to be stronger again or whatever. And then, uh, the, leading up to that, when, uh, when Kylo does capture, well, he knocks out Ray and captures her, uh, Han sees him getting on the ship. And then when he comes back down, he said, yeah, like I, I saw our son, he's there, he's doing bad stuff. And they have their little heartfelt conversation, which, well, I mean, at this point, th- this scene that you're talking about here, where there's the clunky line, uh, I think is probably the only scene in the movie that was bad and unnecessary because we already understand that this is this is uh, their their kid. He's on the bad side. Something happened. Uh, Luke feels responsible. We need to like you know try and bring him back or whatever. But there's there's got to have a scene between Han and Leia where they they talk about how you know they they were a former couple, married, whatever, had a relationship, and then it all went south when their kid killed a bunch of people and uh, their marriage couldn't survive it basically. Yeah. Well, you know, and he went back to doing what he knew best, which was smuggling. And, you know, it's another thing. Yeah, yeah. we got that because we saw you doing that earlier. So cool. Thanks for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Little little, little bit of nostalgia there. That was super helpful. And yeah, uh, it's a little unfortunate that these scenes aren't as effective. Now, the part that is really effective is the hug. Um, You know, they're all tearing up and stuff, and they know that this is the last time they'll see one another. Um, So. I'll I'll sit through the slightly clunkiness of that in order to just see that hug. I'm happy with that. Yeah. Although uh, there was also the weird addition of Leia saying, like, uh, I lost him when I sent him away. Because I guess she got fed up at some point and told Kylo to, like, sent him off to military school to try and straighten him out. But it didn't really work out so well. Well, I read that as sent away to this, you know, Jedi training camp thing, whatever. Um, but that doesn't make a lot of sense with Snoke. Um, like, I don't know how they met, but I'm assuming that will be addressed in a future film because presumably Kylo Ren will be meeting up with Snoke, uh, especially since Snoke says, bring him to me and we'll complete his training. Uh, so, and while he does say that again, slightly jumping ahead, yeah. uh, there was no actual visual evidence that he got out of there. No, which is interesting. Um, there's also no visual evidence about what happened to Hux or Captain Phasma or anything. We'll just see who shows up. I, I, I assume they actually threw Phasma into the trash compactor, which was hilarious. Well, I assume that they threw her in there, but that doesn't necessarily mean that she didn't get out. I mean, we are familiar with people who have escaped trash compactors in this franchise. Mm. Uh, so it is, it is possible. <laughs> um, Maybe they've designed a better trash compactor in 30 years. You don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, anything's possible. Uh, but it would be a, a complete waste if Captain Phasma uh, you know, showed up and did all this stuff for absolutely no reason because that's i mean she was a useful character and i don't think we have to stick to this thing where we keep every single character alive all the way until maybe the climax of a trilogy but she wasn't a super useful character Uh, she does an hr report on somebody at the beginning of the movie and then she uh uh turns off the shields when she gets captured later Uh, right Uh, that's all i'm saying is she they needed a character to be the leader there and they need needed somebody to fill that role but we don't necessarily need to keep that character through the whole trilogy i mean oh no we we didn't need boba fett for as long as we had boba fett because he did nothing so no i and i saw some people making comparisons like oh she's the boba fett of this and i was like well that's not great because as i've established my feelings on boba fett are basically summed up with uh he he didn't actually do much in the films um and he got knocked in a pit so he's not as good as everybody thinks he is the end yeah phasma Um, already did more in this movie than boba fett did in his entire life there oh snap um but (laughs) plus she's shinier 
Yeah, well, it's also it's also sad to lose her though if she's not in the other films because Gwendolyn Christie is actually a really good actress and she didn't get to demonstrate any of that in this film. Um, she just got to be tall inside of a suit of armor. Um, but she 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 she's a good actress on Game of Thrones um, in in many interesting and surprising ways uh, and very emotive. Um, although you don't see any of that here. Uh, but back to what's actually happening in the film. Uh, we find out that Han's plan is to come out of light speed. Uh, on the other side of the shield because apparently they know that it has a fractional rotational thingy. Uh, so they can, the only way to get through it is at hyperspeed. Uh, that kind of makes sense if you think about it because your shield doesn't, you don't want it to block light because you want your planet to get sun and stuff, uh, but you want to block everything slower than that. So that's, I thought that was an interesting way that it worked, but uh, there's that little bit of a hitch that if you're stupid enough, you can come out of light speed on the other side of the shield and try not to crash into the planet. Yeah, and they almost do crash into the planet, so it shows that it is actually a little risky. Uh, but fortunately, I am pulling up, and then yeah. it goes crashing through all the trees. Yeah, I, I, it's a nice. It's nice that this this snow planet is an evergreen snow planet, um, and it's not not just snow. Um, un- unlike our our sand planet was just sand. Uh, I like I like the visual detail of that, so it's not exactly Hoth. Um, and so they uh, they go and they crash and they land um, and skid uh, and almost fall off of a cliff, which never happens in <laughs> films uh everyone always uh skids you know with a considerable amount of distance left i'm i'm just happy they didn't like have it like halfway on and halfway off and then they all had to go run to the other side of the ship to lean on it so that it would lean back over and then like a big pelican lands on one side and it starts to teeter over and they jump off just in time before it falls and crashes in the rocks <sighs> i know you i know you're joking but we both know that happens so much and no, that's, and, that's from true lies well that also uh it, remember uh 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 in Jurassic uh L- Jurassic Park Lost World that yeah. stupid trailer thing half hanging off and stuff yeah uh, just like all all of it all of it just everyone has to like halfway hang off a cliff at some point uh so fortunately oh, then there was Die Hard 4 in the uh, elevator shaft I didn't see it but With anyway the so they 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 get they land and they get out in their snow gear and they're going to go uh hike on over and uh they ask him for how they get in which you figure they would have had that conversation on the way or before they left but uh he's like oh i have no idea how to lower the shields i'm just here to get ray he's like i got an idea i think but yeah not really certain uh yeah he worked in sanitation basically cleaning toilets and stuff yeah and what, what i really like is the exchange uh here where uh he, he says the force will guide us and that's, that's those, not how the force works yeah. that got a huge laugh from the audience uh that w- w- when uh we were all watching that uh, yeah totally I, I really like that I, I like i have to say the comedy in this i feel is a much better fit for star wars and there's plenty of comedy in this for sure than uh the comedy in the prequels was um with the exception of that rhino pig that is drinking out of the water at the beginning of the film on jakku um that is the only like sort of I, uh, this is the only thing that i would i would cite as like a lucasism in terms of humor um is, is your weird animals um being gross mm. uh like the rest of this otherwise i think is actually pretty smart about its its entertainment yeah the um, other uh finn han solo moment that was pretty great is when he first calls him solo and it's did you just call me solo it's like oh sorry han yeah and uh, a little too familiar there buddy yes well Actually, it would be unfamiliar. Oh, well, a little too formal because Solo is his last name. Yeah, well, it's a, he's, he's calling him by a cool nickname because they're buddies, and it's not he doesn't like that. Oh well. Anyway, so they they make their plan to go in through the sanitation thing, and they 
they get out of there inside of the base uh, through the big double doors that apparently lead to sanitation. Um, and they, uh, you know, it's like, I got an idea, uh, for how we can do this. And they go get, uh, Captain Phasma in a scene we don't see. They just have her. Uh, and you know, Finn gets to talk down to her for all of the berating that he got off screen from his HR moment at the beginning of the film. Uh, and so they, they get her, to lower the shields on the base uh and she doesn't protest too much and then she cite she correctly points out that her stormtroopers will you know be down in here and totally bust them up and then free her and they'll all be dead and uh they're like okay well we'll just put you in a trash compactor then uh which is a nice line because obviously he knows where the trash compactor is since he works in sanitation and obviously han solo likes trash compactors on imperial bases <laughs> they have a garbage chute here yeah they do yeah that's pretty good yeah so they 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 make up their mind that they're going to go lay some charges and blow up the oscillator thing on the inside uh, once they see that the X-Wings um, are not really making a dent uh, in, in the uh, exterior of the big hexagon metal thing. So it's a very large thing, and considering that the, uh, the, the Starkiller base or whatever is, in fact, a planet... Uh, you're not terribly surprised that the infrastructure is massive and uh, might require more than just a couple X-Wings shooting some, some bombs at it or whatever. But, uh, yeah, their plan is to basically set some explosives on, like, the internal capacitors of uh, various bits and blow it up. And they're more or less uh, able to do that, but, again, doesn't entirely do the job. So they they try they have to try a hole three times before they can knock out the oscillator, which gives us time to, to hear the word oscillator, like, 30 times. yeah. It's just weird since we never saw anything oscillating, but it did kind of look like the interior of the big shaft in Bespin, um, which is, of course, actually intentional. Uh, And uh, again, another uh, unsafe catwalk with no railing. (laughs) Uh, Imperial safety standards are not what you would imagine. Like, there's that that moment when Ray is walking out into the TIE Fighter Bay, and there's basically like a ledge, and then you can scale down the ledge or fall to your death or you can walk down the ledge over to the part where it is over the the little landing pad area so uh it's it's not like a safe design uh i i I question why they skimped on the railing like they obviously have a lot of money i don't know from where they get their money and resources and they can manufacture and build all of this stuff because if they're if they're relegated to the side, as as it seems to be suggested in the course of this film, they they seem awfully uh, well armed and appointed for uh, for being like off to the side, while the resistance is back to being all ragtag and stuff like they <laughs> used to be in the first thing. And it's like, okay, well maybe maybe they're ragtag because it's this this funded. Uh, thing that's not really an official part of the government or whatever and that the actual republic fleet that got blown up would would actually have been a little more put together than this but uh it's a little sad yeah i thought the resistance was kind of ragtag because they were in like a hidden base because you know that's where the general needs to hide out and it's not you're not really going to build a big fancy base to uh to hide in because people will see it but in terms of the uh the 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 bay area where the ships are i think a lot of the stuff doesn't have railing because there's kind of sort of the potential for floors to go up and down and like meet and create a nice level surface but it it doesn't make any sense in the uh oscillator room or whatever yeah Uh, well anyway so they uh, because there's no actual like moving machinery in there uh but they 
they go oh and uh also with that ray thing they saw her and collected her we neglected to mention that uh and oh yeah yeah they were they were they were searching for her they knocked out a guy and then they saw her climb up and down the wall there and they just like wave her down like hey we're here we're came yeah. to save you there's a lot of stuff that happens in this movie uh and so they go to the thing and they get in there and they're gonna blow it all up um apparently there are no locks on the store uh and the x-wings are all fighting outside and the tie fighters and like it's a big aerial thing going on um and it's supposed to be very evocative of uh, sort of a new hope. Um, the skirmish is there. Uh, now they start laying their charges and Han sees Kylo Ren out on the unsafe catwalk. And I'm trying to remember why he got in there. Was it something about the like alarm went off in some sort of base? They're like, yep, we'll go over there and we'll search around just to try and find Ray Because he's still basically just searching for Ray. I don't know if it, it wasn't really spelled out. Um there was a line about like an alarm going off in some bay or something because she uh. tripped something, but I, I thought that was uh, before they gathered her and went off to the oscillator. Who knows? I don't know. I, uh, well, he shows up. Um, I mean, you know, it's fine. He can like sense through the force or something. Whatever. Uh, he and he he's also standing out in the open to sort of like lure Han out from wherever he might be. Oh, he's going um, into the center of the room, so his uh, his cell signal for the force is uh, more attuned with the to, you know <laughs> to all of the different gaps in the the oscillator room. Yeah, I mean, it's like a Faraday cage, all that metal. Um, so the uh, Han it, it decides that he is going to try to do what Leia had suggested and try to uh, reconcile with his son. This is a mistake, and everyone knows it's a mistake, but we kind of can go along with it because we want to believe, we want to have that hope that there can be a connection made here that pulls him back. Um, and and it, there was a connection. I don't think it was an entire failure on his part. Well, I think it was a, f- a failure because I think that Kylo was using him through this process. Um, like he wanted to be strong and to not, uh, you know, feel weak and vulnerable to the stuff. And like Han was interpreting that, I feel to a degree as being like, you know, I- I'll help you like, you know, with this, like w- we can do this together. And, it didn't quite mean the same thing in that he wanted to get rid of his father. So that way he would feel more cemented with, uh, the dark side of the force. I would imagine like yeah. that, that would connect him more with the things and that would make him feel stronger. Like he wouldn't feel weak if his father was out of the way. Uh, is this, is what I pulled away from that conversation? Well, there's a lot of different things. There's definitely a little bit of that. There's the misinterpretation. I mean, they they were talking about different things with the, you know, trying to, he felt conflicted and he didn't want to feel this stuff anymore and he needs his help or whatever. But there was also, um, getting back to his sort of emulation of, uh, Skywalker and Vader and looking at them as the examples, there's, it made me wonder how much of the uh, Luke and Vader story he really heard and whether he heard it correctly, because he may have just heard that, you know, Luke being the head of the Jedi and he's the best out there. um, He had to destroy his father or he did destroy his father. And that's, you know, part of the strength there. And uh, he's trying to sort of fill these roles that have happened before. And whether you talk about um, Anakin killing the emperor and all that fun stuff. But like, there's this sort of like history of, you know, (laughs) going against your father and the higher powers that, that that sort of contributes to the mythology of how people get to where they are. Patricide runs in the family. Um, so they, uh, except that I'm also, one of the things that I pulled away from this movie, um, after exiting the theater and thinking about it was that maybe, uh, 
it's entirely possible that Kylo Ren does not know the full story or at least believes that the actual story of events was false. Yeah, uh, totally. Because it seems that he doesn't really have any connection to that part of the story where Vader turned back from the dark side and saved Luke. Uh, so he might either have heard that and believes it is false, or he might have uh, uh, not heard that. I think it is probably more likely that Snoke told him it was a lie. Yeah, um, it, it, all he knows really is that his grandpa was super powerful, uh, well, Sith, but he was also the most powerful Jedi for a time, and his kid killed him. And that's kind of a bummer, because... Why, why would you do that? Because he was he was awesome. Yeah, and that's a blank in this is a blank line in the movie. I'm happy to fill in, you know, as an audience member. Um, especially, you know, it might actually be literally addressed in the future. But uh, I, I, I'm fine with that sort of uh, Im- implication being there. Um, and we we see this unfortunate scene unfold uh, where we, as the audience, have a pretty good idea what's going to happen. Uh, the sun is ticking away in the sky. Um, we can see through the doorway that's been conveniently opened uh, at the top with uh, Ray and Finn, um, and that little shaft of light uh, is is diminishing. Uh, one thing about that shaft of light, uh, they show it shining on Han and Kylo in the wide shot. Uh, that's like parallel to the plane that the the little platform thing is on. So, you know that you know that one shot I'm talking about. Yeah, like the super the... wide where it's coming in through the door where Ray and Finn are standing and it's hitting them down there. Yeah, like but then when you cut down to them there's no light at all hitting them. Um, but it was, was a yeah. super awesome looking shot. Yeah, but continuity wise. I just wanted to point that out. I um, didn't need the continuity. It was beautiful looking and you got okay, your characters right. up there and it ties them together and you and I, did, I did really uh, appreciate. I, I did like the the ticking clock of the sun, not only because it was the, a ticking clock that they had like that we could see and they could see, but you know it's the it started to get darker and darker, and it's like, uh, are you going to win? Or are you going to lose? And you you start to feel a little bit more pessimistic about their uh, their potential here as as it starts to get darker. I thought that was a great use of the light in terms of the the storytelling as well. Yeah, and of course, once the light is extinguished, uh, and the weapon is charged. Uh, it's too late, so Kylo kills him. Um, and Han Solo, this shocked face, uh, peels away off the side of the thing, um, or at least his digi devil falls down into the little pit. <laughs> but um, he, he touches his son's face and says, "Like, dude, still don't." He's still trying in his last moments to like bring some good out of him and say, "Like, come on, have some feelings. Like, stop yeah. this." I really like this parallel to the way that things have unfolded in the past because, you know, it would have been, it would have been bad movie making if he had actually turned back um, <laughs> to the, to, you know, to the force and been like, okay, let's blow up this place now. Uh, like, we we all knew it was going to happen and that we could see the parallels to the original story. We could see that this was being, you know, this was being turned from what it was originally. Uh, and that, yet I think there yeah. was enough weakness in Kylo that you could potentially see like, well, I'm not entirely certain what's going to happen in the next few seconds, but it certainly does seem unlikely that he's going to be turned to the light side. But I'm not certain that I saw Hans end coming as, as uh, quickly as it did. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, it would have been awkward if they had both had to walk off of that railingless. 
I mean, the, the other solution would be <laughs> the other thing that's, you know, a lesser filmmaker would do is like, oh, no, something explodes. And then the uh, the, the catwalk breaks in half and they're on opposite sides of each other. And like they can't finish no, their that, conversation or something. That would never happen in a movie like this. <laughs> I, I appreciate that while we didn't want to necessarily see this happen, that they were willing to go this way and kill Hunt. Yeah, I'm you know, a lot of people can be very upset when characters that they love are killed, but I feel like it was Han's time. So he had four movies. Yeah. He's, he's good. Uh, Harrison Ford is good on this role and, uh, you know, he fulfilled his, his role here. Um, and he went out with a bang. Like he didn't, he didn't just, he didn't just, uh, unfortunately die off screen or something like he, he, you know, he did it. Uh, he, had, he had a pretty dignified and honorable death for for uh, a smuggler too. He he yeah. was standing up for what he believed in, trying to save his son, and uh, just turns out it didn't work that way. But there was yeah. there was no other way he could have died that would have been better. And then Chewie was pissed and shot him, <laughs> shot him in the leg, which was or was like the side or something. Yeah, it, it, like it was uh, sort of like the side abdomen area, I think. Um, at least yeah, that's where he keeps hitting later on uh, to which try is to keep the blood so flowing. messed up. Yeah, uh, so. Uh, and then Chewie goes on his murder rampage, um, which is, which is actually kind of nice to see him rampage, uh, you know, cause his, his buddy, uh, is, is gone. And so he's going to take care of all this and he blows it all up. Well, not all of it, but he, 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 he makes a big hole. Uh, he, they, he hits they had, the button, sets off C4. Yeah. He F had, this man. Well, they were, they looked like thermal detonators. Um, <laughs> but they, uh, it's a reference to the thing, but, uh, so anyway, they, they blow it up. Uh, the charges are set off. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't set enough of these charges for this to be effective at disabling the weapon or uh, compromising the structure in a significant way, except for a tiny little hole, which happens to be X-wing shaped. Um, but the uh, the guys down on the surface, uh, the, the Tie Fighters and X-wing guys up above the surface uh, see that something has happened, and meanwhile, the audience had completely forgotten about them because the fight had apparently moved away, and we weren't hearing it in the background or seeing people out through the doorway or anything like that, which would have ruined the moment, I suppose. But uh, but you did kind of forget that that was happening outside the window because yeah, they we were, were a little higher up in the atmosphere, like they were being chased away or something, and they they looked down pretty far to see like oh, there's a hole down there. Yeah, and then they're like, oh, we're going to hug the ground through this trench and get to the, the, the hole and really, like, really blow it up. Um, yeah, rem- remember those, that other time in the, mm-hmm. those other movies where there was mm-hmm. a trench and they were flying and stuff? Uh, no, I, I've seen some criticism about... Trench. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I don't think it's like the worst reference in the world to make here. It's not like it was an identical trench. No, um, it's, a, it's a decent tactical move, I suppose, but yeah. I mean... Fastest fastest way to get there probably would have been a straight line. Yeah, uh, the towers. Um, But anyway, so like they didn't really need the laser towers guarding this pipe, but they, I guess they did supposedly, except it doesn't really work out. And so the Tie Fighter that's chasing him um, can't get through the X-wing sized hole, Uh, but he can. He he locks his S foils in not attack position and then flies through. Uh, and then it happens to be big enough on the inside for an X-Wing to maneuver around um, and and blow it all up. <laughs> if and it wasn't, f- he would just find himself as a kamikaze pilot and just smash his X-Wing into the side. And it probably still would have worked out pretty well to just smash a ship into the, the inside of it and blow a bunch of stuff up. But yeah, lucky for him, he could. he's such a good pilot, he can maneuver around and just start shooting all the extra capacitor things that they didn't set detonators I, on. And I totally, I totally thought he was going to like fire torpedoes or like blow up the thing more or something. I didn't really see him flying into that 
burning wreckage. <laughs> well, it is a it's a really large building. It's uh it's planet scope sized uh star killer thing. Yeah, well, they do it and they fly around and they blow up the stuff. Uh, and he flies back out of the hole, which did not collapse as part of the structure is collapsing, and then gets well, out of there. Well, they were shooting stuff on the other side. Yes, the the not the side that wasn't compromised, I assume. And so they 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 have the oscillator blow up, um, which is important because uh, they need that for regulating the things. Uh, meanwhile, out in the it's snow, like a uh, it's like in Ghostbusters where they they shut down the protection grid and the whole building blows up. Yes, but outside on the snow uh we have them trying to get back to the falcon um and uh it's just john boyega and uh uh, daisy ridley and adam driver um (laughs) is not happy uh and uh is beating the the side of his chest where he has been damaged and some blood is leaking out He's, Uh, he's flogging himself in the hopes that his anger and pain will make him stronger Oh, or that he just keeps the blood going because it's really cold and he doesn't want to pass out in shock. <laughs> no, but, he's trying to make himself angrier. Yeah, and so he thinks he, he'll be stronger. He they go, they go to 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 fight here, and they fortunately have a lightsaber. Um, and John Boyega goes to use it, and he can put up enough of a fight against the damaged Kylo Ren uh, that he's able to hold in for a couple seconds uh, until. Oh wait, no, sorry. First, uh, Daisy Ridley tried to. Sh- shoot at him right and then well, she got I, knocked into the tree yeah he basically force grabbed her and threw her against the tree yeah and then she fell down and then john boyega goes after her him with the lightsaber and uh they they fight and then uh that gets knocked out of his hand flies off into the snow and uh john boyega's uh wounded um it's not really super clear what happened but it does look like Either his spine was sliced open, or like he's missing some ribs now. <laughs> he, he took a slice to the back. Which yeah, was uh, that was it's Kylo, not where Kylo you even took that. a hit uh, to the shoulder uh, from Finn. Yeah, which is surprising. Um, I wonder if it's purely because Kylo was wounded already. Um, Probably but... <laughs> like a plaster to the side that, that appears to be relatively debilitating in most instances. Yeah, uh, but th- then uh, John Boyega goes out of it uh, and. Kylo, feeling successful, is going to pull the little lightsaber out of the snow over there. And well, because go... that lightsaber rightfully belongs to him, because it was Darth Vader's, and he's a Darth Vader fanboy number one. Yes, yes, he needs to have it because he cares more about it. Uh, <laughs> if I it's have his this, birthright. If I have this, then I'll be strong enough to murder children. Um, so, anyway, uh, it's he... uh, it's his version of the I have to have the right notebook before I can write my novel. <laughs> I have to have the the right lightsaber before I can. Uh, rule my kingdom. Although it's not, it's blue. It's not red. It's not. It's going to clash with all of his stuff. Um, so he, he goes to he goes to get his collectible, and uh, there's a little bit of hesitation in it, and it's very reminiscent of when Luke had uh, tried to pull the lightsaber out of the uh, the snowy ice part in uh, Empire Strikes Back when he's hanging upside down to kill the Yeti. Yeah, it's supposed to be very reminiscent of that, of course. It's an homage, a pastiche. Um, and so he's, he's pulling on it, but it's not coming out, which is a little surprising. Uh, and Some really seems, dense snow. It seems like there's almost some sort of interfering force. Uh, and sure enough, it comes out of the ground and flies across past his face and over to Daisy Ridley, who uh, has apparently mastered the ability to just grab things uh, out of snow. Um, so she, she, she is, she's doing pretty well for her first day. Of, well, she got thrown against a tree. Yeah. She's pissed because he, he knocked out Finn and killed Han Solo. So, uh, she's, uh, she's focused. Well, yeah. she's 
partially focused, and she'll focus more in a moment. Yes, and so they they go at it with the lightsabers, um, and turns out she is actually a little better than uh, Finn is at using this this sword weapon. But you know, I don't know how much of that is because uh, of her weapons proficiency from using that staff thing. Yeah, I um, think most of it's probably because she usually defends herself with the big stick thing. Yeah, although that is a different weapon, and you know. Is the stick thing the double-sided blade nonsense from the prequels that uh, Grievous's folks had? Oh, you're thinking of the 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 little mummy guard things that he had. Yeah, those guys. That's that's kind of what I thought it was, and that would have been like the only nod to the prequels that I potentially saw. No, they because they didn't have it. Didn't have the electrical things on either end. Well, I thought maybe just because it was like broken or something. But anyway, no, but it didn't structurally resemble it at all. It was a, it was it was a different kind of stick. I don't know if you know about this, Dan, but you can have sticks in various shapes and sizes. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> uh, uh, but anyway, so they, they fight, and uh, she's doing a much better job at this. It's actually a pretty honest fight, too, so it's not like it's not like a, a New Hope, where they have no idea what they're doing. It's not like the prequels, where it's choreographed by dancers. It's a fight where people look like they're actually fighting. Yeah, and also, uh, it's a a fight where uh there's no he can't really like use the force uh to like one up the situation which is strange since he used it so many other times but i don't know how much of that is because he's not feeling well um and he continues to feel a little worse because she keeps <laughs> landing some hits on him uh she she doesn't get uh any any wounds from this battle at all um so that's actually rather surprising uh and they fight up until this sort of like ledge area thing from the ground being knocked out from the planet starting to slowly explode. Uh, and there's some like lava E stuff down there and uh, they're, they're just locked in, in mortal combat. And I believe this is the scene you were referring to earlier where there were another like one too many uh, close up shots of people looking this, at each other. Uh, this is not the one, but this oh. is also a moment where this is also a moment where I felt they could have cut down on that. It was, I mean, I don't know if you could have cut down on it and still done the thing that they wanted to do, but the thing that they wanted to do, I did not enjoy because he, he's, uh, Kylo says something about, uh, the force and she goes like, Oh yeah, right. The force. And then closes her eyes and like takes a deep breath and focuses, like she's trying to get in touch with her force skills, which make her a better uh, combatant in this instance. And I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? Like taking a breath and slowing down. Like maybe she's trying to center herself and not get flustered or something. But the idea that she's just going to like close her eyes and take a deep breath and then she's suddenly going to be stronger. I'm like, what? Wh- that doesn't that doesn't mean anything to me. Well, see, I actually interpreted that scene a little differently um, where he's he he is trying to appeal to her that he can uh, teach her, that he can instruct her, that she hasn't had an instructor. And, right, that's and, right. Uh, and, you know, he knows all this stuff. And then, as we've established, people can pull things out of other people's minds. And so she closes her eyes, and I, I'm i not sure exactly, but it seems like she was having her I know kung fu moment um, where she pulled out <laughs> a little thing from his from his his knowledge base oh so you think she downloaded his kung fu database with her force brain and then could fight back better because now she knew the moves he was gonna throw and he she could like best him it was it was an interpretation of the scene that that's Uh, that's more reasonable than my interpretation but if that's what they were actually doing that's kind of dumb 
I, I would agree if it's like now she's like a Jedi master of his le- level or caliber um, or, or, you know, the Sith Lord of his level or caliber. But I don't know that she was necessarily downloading an extensive database as much as maybe like the cliff notes of what his next plan was or something. <laughs> I mean, it was for me, it was reminiscent of the moments where both Luke and Obi-Wan were basically saying like, no, we're not going to fight. This fight is over. So I'm going to stop. And, you know, Luke basically says, you know, I'm not going to fight you dead. And then he gets his butt kicked and then Vader saves him. And Obi-Wan gets cut in half and turned into a force ghost but she she calms herself down and centers herself and then becomes a better fighter and continues to win the fight like that that seemed counter to the way things normally would have worked in previous movies but maybe it was just that she was getting flustered that she was being dangled over the edge of this cliff and if she focused herself she would realize the power of the force flowing through her and she could get back to fighting and win or something well that's possible um i i know we have derided the prequels in the past, but when uh, Obi-Wan is stuck behind those energy barrier things in, when in the Darth Maul fight, um, he sits since, you know, he's, he's trying to like center himself. Oh yeah. He does like a little prey thingy. Yeah. um, And Qui-Gon. But you know, he's like trying to, you know, focus um, to be more mindful of the force. Uh, But anyway, so they duke it out and, uh, she really lays into him uh, and and scars him up pretty good. It's not immediately clear exactly the extent to which she has damaged him, especially in that last shot where he falls backwards. Uh, but but it does it, it doesn't seem like he's he's really like tip top shape after that. No, he's he's basically defeated, but not dead. Yeah, and so he's lying on the ground, uh, and she goes to run off after. Uh, Finn, because she's really worried about his medical condition. Uh, she probably could have just made sure that bad guy was actually dead, but she didn't. Uh, General Hux is evacuating, and uh, Snoke is like, well, go get Kylo and bring him to me. Um, which presumably he does, because otherwise <laughs> it would it would not be as interesting in the next movie. Uh, I mean, the, yeah. the, the Starkiller base... Uh, meets its end pretty quickly, so he would have had to know exactly where Kylo was and go right to him to pick him up. So I don't know. Maybe he has I, a little... I'm sure he's probably alive because we didn't see him die again, like yeah. Poe. But I, I could have conceivably believed that he died in this. I, I couldn't because of the narrative motivations for killing him. Um, what we saw on screen, of course. Like if this had been like any other character, like Captain Phasma. Like, sure, she might be dead. Like, whatever. Well, she um, didn't have to kill him, but she doesn't have to save him either. Like Batman. Okay. Just, just leave him to blow up. Although yeah. there probably should have been a shot where he's, like, standing on the snow watching the Millennium Falcon fly away and the planet blows up underneath him if they were going to do that. Yeah, they probably cut it for time. <laughs> it's a long movie. Um, so they it's get like, 2.15. Well, I mean... It's like every Star Wars movie, isn't it? So still... Well, I mean, some are longer than that, and even less stuff happens in them, which is surprising. Uh... So they they get off on the Millennium Falcon back over to the Resistance base. Because Chewie's um, hovering in the trees, and they go like, hey, look, Chewie, and then let's get out of here. And there's a nice um, mirroring event of uh, when uh, F- Finn had to sort of patch up Chewie. Chewie has to patch up Finn. Um, oh, yeah, that was a nice comedy moment where he's trying to patch up his arm, and Chewie keeps, like, choking him. Yeah. And so... <laughs> But, but, you know, it's nice that they go through that trouble. The, they, they've bonded through this experience. So they land on the resistance base and they get him, they get Finn some medical attention. And basically he doesn't have a line 
through the whole like last like what 15 minutes of this movie yeah he's um, in the icu he, he's yeah. not dead but he he's not doing much he's just laying there yeah and so finn, finn is out of it but but ray still cares uh r2d2 which we did not discuss earlier has been in low power mode this whole entire time um in, yeah, BB-8 in, tries to go say hi to him when he he they go visit the the rebel base, and three uh, PO's like, no, no, he's sleeping. We don't know what what his deal is. He won't wake up. And BB-8 just like runs into him and tries to talk to him. He's like, hey, wake up! I want to say hi. Hi, yeah. how are you? You're a droid. Yeah. I'm a droid. Let's talk. But it doesn't work out. Like I heard so much about you. I'm one of your biggest fans. Um, <laughs> and that'd be funny. Uh, so, but now conveniently, R2D2 wakes up. Um, now whether or not. Uh, Jason Snell had speculated about this um, in the incomparable Slack, and I don't know if this is necessarily the case, but that perhaps uh, R2-D2 senses Ray um, through some means, uh, and that sets him back off again to to start back up. Yeah, because he's been basically dormant since Luke left, and uh, Luke was his little Jedi master dude. And uh, the presence of a Force-sensitive individual somehow uh, woke him up saying, like, hey, uh, you've got the secret information in you still, apparently, uh, and just don't don't give it to anybody unless they are uh, potentially a Jedi. So just go to sleep for a while and leave your, your Force sensor on, and then when somebody shows up, you can just, like, wake up. Yeah. I, I don't know exactly. Maybe they'll explain it. Maybe they won't. But I mean, can- it would have taken like one shot to explain that like uh like a an over the shoulder of r2d2 with like ray walking into the room in the background and then like a light dinging on that could have given us a little bit more of a hint of that and i don't know why there wasn't something that simple to sort of tie those two things together if that's the way they wanted to go but it it, the way it seems now is just like oh uh it's the end of the movie and r2d2 wakes up yeah that that is the thing though is that if it is supposed to be that artful connection of this event had happened, which inspired this other event. It is not artfully executed where we can infer that without any other, you know, shenanigans, uh, getting in the way. Whereas right now it does very much read like it's a very convenient timing. Um, Yeah. The only thing I could think is they had that shot and they thought, well, maybe that spells it out to, too much for the audience and we want to let them sort of figure it out on their own. But there are other moments in this movie that are far more blatant that uh, they left in the movie that I figured they could have, you know, given us a little something more than nothing. Yeah. Uh, I would have also appreciated something more than nothing. Cause it does. It, it, it mostly can be inferred that this is just very convenient timing. Uh, and he happens to have a map that shows the entire galaxy, except for this little, puzzle piece that's missing which happens well, yeah, to be the same as the puzzle piece was that 3po shape. that said that earlier that he might have the other half of the map that he downloaded from the imperial database or something back when they were doing all their shenanigans back in the day they, they, they well, hypothesized that, that he might have that well that's what bb8 wanted to talk to him about and he's like well even if he has uh those maps from back then then he, you know he we don't have access to him because we can't like turn him on um it, but you know, he's on and he's got the perfect map. I mean, maybe he was like crunching numbers this whole time and finally pieced together the map progress bar finished. Uh, and he's just missing that one chunk and it is exactly the same size and shape as the, the chunk that, uh, BB eight has from that. They obtained from Max von Sydow the whole entire time though. I have to say once they recovered this piece and once we found out RTDT was deactivated, 
uh, earlier in the film, I was like, oh, they're just, someone's going to eventually figure out to put this piece into R2-D2 and then it'll turn him back on again. But they didn't do that. Uh, instead, they had this weird thing where they show different holograms and they piece them together. Uh, yeah, you know what? Yeah. That would have uh, that would have worked for me. Yeah, I really, I really think that would have been a good thing because then it would have just like, okay, well, we we have this thing that we didn't have before. It somehow fell into this guy's hands. Oh, maybe Luke had given it to him and he'd gone away or whatever. And so they put this into R two D two, fixes whatever his memory thing is, fills in the map. He's back online and everything, and it spells out what it is. And then it doesn't feel like it's just like a random thing at the end of the film. Mm. But I, I don't know. Well, they uh, couldn't have they couldn't have done that because for filmmaking purposes, they couldn't have done that because that would have made the entire battle kind of unnecessary. Because uh, I mean, if they knew where Luke was. Sure, maybe the star killer thingy-mabob would blow up their base and everyone would die, but they could have figured out where Luke is quick enough to have dispatched somebody to go get him, and then no matter how many people died in the uh, intervening time, that they would have already known where he was and they would already be on their mission to do that. Uh, uh, I would argue that where, you know, it'd be like, okay, well, we found Luke, but we can't go get him right now because, like, everything will be destroyed. We have to stay here and defeat this weapon. Like, that is our most immediate concern that has taken priority over Luke. Well, like, sure, even but you, if would we... take, you would take one pilot and say, go get Luke because uh, we may not make it out of this. But I they guess. couldn't do that. Also, the well, other thing then is... then they'd lose all of the, the resistance because this apparently is all of the resistance. Right, so, but it, you would yeah. then just end up in a situation where you just have maybe Finn and Ray and Luke, and that could potentially be, I mean, I don't know how that fits into their movies later, but no, that's, that's where they would end mm-hmm. up. But the other thing is, you know, it seems like they intentionally gave uh, R2-D2 a portion of the map and Max von Sydow a portion of the map and sent them in opposite directions uh, so that the map would be safe. And I guess if you could just plug the one map into the other map in the same droid, that's not really a super safe, like two factor force authentication thing. Well, I mean, it's not, none of this is safe. <laughs> I mean, it was just relied on random things being strewn throughout the galaxy. Uh, so they, they f- figure it out and they send Ray off, um, to go talk to slash pick up Luke, uh, with a uh, Chewie and R2D2 in tow. And so they go to this, uh, ocean planet, um, with some islands and it is very reminiscent of what Kylo had pulled from her dreams in her mind of the the planet with water, uh, and uh, uh, almost as if there is some sort of connection through the Force, but uh, it probably is the case. So they land on the the little... map was in her all along. She didn't <laughs> need the thing. Yeah, she, they land on the thing, and then she walks up the stairs um, to go uh, meet Gandalf at the top, um, and uh, he takes off his his weathered robe and we see his uh robot hand isn't doing so well yeah i appreciate that they went with a uh, metal robot hand instead of like a uh, fleshy fake hand yeah well i mean i would have been fine with it if it if it just had the same scorch mark or whatever um but it, i guess it wouldn't make much sense because it wouldn't have necessarily aged it would have been weird he'd have like one young hand and then like one <laughs> old hand <laughs> no i like the metal hand and they didn't do the black glove thing so i, I like because i mean they don't have to now so. Yeah, uh, but uh, at least it wasn't also uh, Anakin's glowy golden blue light hand thing. That his, uh, been... his going out hand. Oh, that would have been so distracting. Uh, so they they do this, and they just make eye contact, and then we have a helicopter shot. Uh, she, hol- she holds out the lightsaber to let him know, like, hey, 
this is why I'm here because I got I got the lightsaber and forcey stuff, and there's probably some sort of mental connection between them because uh, they can they can read each other's minds or whatever because Jedi and stuff. But uh, yeah, this is the instance I was talking about where it was shot of Ray, shot of Luke, shot of Ray, shot of Luke, shot of Ray, shot of Luke, helicopter shot, and it's like yeah, I get that there's supposed to be some some tension here and or there's supposed to be some emotion behind this because uh, somebody finally came to find Luke and there's a reason to. Uh, but I didn't need it to be as long as it was. I, Although, I'll, I mean, maybe because it's the last thing in the movie, you want to make sure it resonates. I almost wonder, though, if there had been dialogue that they eventually went back and cut, and then they're like, well, we can't just go immediately to the helicopter shot, so we'll add in these shots of the reaction from before they started talking to each other. Because uh, it, do, it it it's weird, kind of, in a way, because Luke also doesn't have a line in the film. Um where he's he's talking as himself. Uh, does he? He doesn't say anything to her at the end. No, I don't think around. so. No, he just turns yeah. around and they look at each other. I, you yeah. know, I think the unspokenness of it is is nice. Uh, they don't really need him to say anything, and I don't know what they would really talk about other than, uh, like, we need to have a conversation about everything that's going on and we need your help. Uh, or <laughs> help me, Luke Skywalker, you're my only hope. Mm. Um, I, I appreciate that they didn't do that, but there's not much that can be done uh, in a scene between two people who are just standing there and staring at each other uh, to to just, like, make an impact. Well, it's also a little weird because uh, the pacing kind of has a weird... It, like, if you look at the last, like, 20 minutes of this film, um, it, it goes from this very frenetic moment, uh, very frenetic uh, uh, action-packed stuff happening... Um, a lot of emotional resonance with the the fight between Kylo and Rey. Uh, then we're, we're off of that planet; it is blown up. Um, we're coming back down off of that, and then all of a sudden we go back up again a little bit for a little journey, and then we go back down a little bit, and then we go up a little bit for, for meeting Luke, and then it's the end credits, and it's like okay, so like that's that's interesting, like the little tone of the last bit of that. Well, yeah, um, that, I mean the that that last section, it's I know it's there's a little bit of story stuff with the you know the droids putting the map together, or whatever, but it's all kind of montagey. It's not like it's not continuous moments, and there's I think there's even a little bit of intercutting when Ray is uh, climbing up the side of the hill back to uh, you know the saying goodbye to Finn. We'll see each other again and stuff. But no, it's. Th- they didn't intercut that, but they had a montage sh- of shots of her going up these stairs. Right. So she she's montaged there. There's almost a little bit of montaginess in the uh, the finding the map and then saying goodbye to Finn. And all of that stuff there is a little condensed for time, which is fine, I guess. But the, the pacing does change. Yeah. Uh, it's not bad, but it's not great. Uh, and it, for the ending, it just kind of like slows down and then kind of like hangs out for a little. Uh, and uh, th- then the end. Yeah, this is the moment where they're going. In case it wasn't clear, there's going to be another one of these that 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 picks up where this one left off. Oh yeah, I mean they they didn't really need to wrap up much story uh, beyond blowing up the Star Killer thing and getting everyone out of there safely, uh, so that the Resistance could live on and Ray uh, grew as an individual. As again, Star Wars is want to do. She she became aware that she has the potential to be a Jedi. Uh, Finn sort of became a little bit more honorable in protecting her, and he's not just running away and that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. they, they they did they did the stuff they needed to do, and then getting back to the original crawl there, their stated goal of finding Luke Skywalker, they do, and then that's that's all you really need. Yep. The end. And uh, 
it was it was weird seeing bad robot productions and end credits. <laughs> it was this. all the way at the end, though. No, but like even just in the blue text, it, it said bad robot productions. It wasn't just like this is a J.J. Abrams film for Lucasfilm or anything. It was like this is literally involving his production company. Yeah, the weird thing was like you know as they sort of like smash cut to the credits, and it's you know directed by J.J. Abrams. Yeah, and then at the very, 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 very end, like you said. I I really actually kind of cringed because I don't that bad robot logo the animated logo is just so juvenile um, that I was just sort of sad to see it like glued on to the end of this film. <laughs> well, at least they didn't do the sparkly Lucasfilm at the beginning of it, but um, they, did, they did that uh, gunmetal Lucasfilm, um, yeah. and there's no fanfare under it, which is also weird. Hmm. But uh, at the end of the movie, I think there were there were probably only like eight people left in the theater uh, by the time the bad robot logo came up at the very end Mm -hmm. but i actually heard somebody say no bad robot good robot this time like (laughs) okay so okay you're not you're not a huge fan of probably the star treks but uh, you liked this one uh well we're done uh and i guess it's time to render verdicts on this uh and like you had asked me earlier to to pick and place this amongst the other star wars movies uh the way i would place this today is of course heads and shoulders above the prequel films. Um, this is a better film than George Lucas could make. Uh, yes, it is. This is uh, this is full of more competent filmmaking and directing than George Lucas's endeavors. Yeah, and even the problems and criticisms that I have about this and about the world building of this and the small space and all of that, all of that aside, I would I would so much rather watch this film than watch any of the three movies that he made all by himself and, and was like, I'm the best. Cause I, I think that was, that was the worst of the, of the star Wars films, uh, hands down. And <laughs> it was a very dark time. It was, it was a dark time for the fans. Uh, so in terms of like a new hope and empire strikes back and return of the Jedi, um, I would rank this over a new hope and, I don't know. I kind of like it a little more than Empire. Um, And I like it a little more than Return of the Jedi. But it's like, it's only in parts. Well, in the same way that we talked about, the end of Jedi is great, but a lot of the other stuff kind of knocks it down a little bit. Yeah. So So, it's an acceptable uh, thing to make, a caveat to say. Well, because it's like, this feels like such a beginning to something and it also relies on so many things that have happened in all the other ones. Um, like there's so many, there's so much of this that is references and stuff, uh, to the other events of the other films. And there's so many parallels that are intentionally made, um, in the writing, uh, where, whereas in the prequels, those parallels were made poorly, uh, and didn't work out here. They, they're mostly made well. Uh, I, I feel like this movie couldn't really like stand on its on its own two feet without the other films or without the films that have come after it. Um, so it's more like, it's more like the, the prequels in that sense of like trying to view it in isolation without the other things in context. Uh, it gives you with a, a sort of a warped view of star Wars, I would imagine, but I don't know if anyone's going to come to this with this being their first movie they ever see. See, I'm sure somebody is going to, and I would really like to talk to them about stuff because I, I, I tried to at one or two instances when they said some stuff that was, 
basically things we all know or referential or whatever. I tried to think like, well, is that because this movie needs to stand on its own for the younger generation of people or are they actually, is this actually being clunky? Um, because I don't know that you actually need all of the other backstory to really enjoy the film. It certainly adds to the enjoyment of it. Um, but I think it's, in a, in the same way that if you try and imagine a new hope by itself, I think this movie is uh, as successful or more successful than a new hope, just in terms of what it accomplishes. And a new hope, you know, maybe it's retcon or whatever, but it had stuff referencing the movies to come and potentially the movies that came before it uh, that didn't exist, the prequels. But uh, it still worked as a movie. It still worked as Star Wars and obviously warranted the other films. So I think this this movie is as successful as A New Hope was in terms of giving us a story and uh, making it so we are we enjoy the film we're watching as well as setting it up for the other ones. Okay. So... Since I got all wishy-washy on the, the final verdict there, uh, <laughs> I'm not. I guess. I guess I would. I guess I would say that I would go back to watching this one sooner than I would probably go back to watching A New Hope or the. F- well, yeah, or Empire Strikes Back. Um, I don't know. There's something for me personally about Return of the Jedi where I just really like the last part of it. Uh, and so I guess I still put that one on top, which is weird because I know a lot of people don't like it at all, but whatever. They can all, <laughs> they can all get their own podcast and complain. Exactly. You're allowed to have your feelings. Yeah. And so how would you rank it? Since you obviously have less of an attachment to any Star Wars stuff at all mm-hmm. uh, and anything involving space whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that it's quite that cut and dry. Yeah, but, but you, um, you, you just rewatched all of the stuff with me along along for this ride, this, this bananas ride, which is finally over. If uh, I, okay, yeah. so I'm going to try and, and not couch my opinion in like well it was the 70s and there was only so much they could do <laughs> and the, the story style of the was, time it, you know they, they were still trying to get a feel for whether or not it would be a franchise or whatever but uh leaving all that aside and just being as cut and dry as possible uh th- this is currently my favorite star wars movie okay par- partly because it does a lot of the same things that the original a new hope did uh, in terms of like plot line, but it also adds a lot of the other stuff that we liked throughout the the trilogy in terms of character development and just getting to know people. And there's a lot of good uh, character moments and emotion in it. And it's also just, I think, far more competently directed and assembled. I mean, the I mean, you can really see you can watch the director working in this movie. You can see how these shots are assembled. You can see how the sequences are put together. You can see how the, the editorial team did what they did. You could see the incredible visual effects, but like all of that combined still spells more competent filmmaking to me than any of the other ones. And it's just damn enjoyable to watch in pretty much all instances. Okay. Well, there you have it folks. Final verdict rendered best star Wars movie ever, bro. And second best, I guess. (laughs) But it's it's a it's a really good movie. I, I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not certain. I'm sure people have their quibbles. Like we have our our minor minor details to argue about. But just as we did with any of the other Star Wars movies, I think this is absolutely a Star Wars movie in in the way that the original trilogy told their stories and developed their characters. I think it fits with that beautifully. You can see that the people who made it. Uh, like the original trilogy and Star Wars in general, you can see that they they like 
that universe and that they understand the way stories should be told in this universe. And I think they did a great job. Yep. Uh, and I look forward to the next one, certainly. And uh, it, it it's on pace right now to make like the most money ever. So oh, it's abs- this is absolutely going to be the highest grossing movie of all time. Uh, whether it stays there for very long remains to be seen, but people have been waiting for this for a really long time. And I don't think it's going to disappoint uh, more than like two percent of the people that go see it so yeah i'm really curious actually to hear w- the disappointed people like the people who like flat out couldn't enjoy this at all like i would just like tilt my head to the side and be like so you don't like star wars or like what's your deal it's like- gotta be those people who uh like you have pointed out before sort of build the canon in their head of what star wars is and isn't rather than watching them for what they actually are oh it, yeah what, what i really don't want to hear is like this was a fine movie but it wasn't star wars because I, I i have no patience for that this is absolutely star wars anymore any more or less than any of the other films are star wars and you know you can't even say like oh it's not star wars because george lucas didn't make it because george lucas made terrible movies um like it has nothing to do necessarily with with purely the involvement of the creator and the fact that he wasn't involved. Like, you want to go back to George Lucas movies? I don't. I think that this is a superior film. Uh, and if and if you're like, oh, well, it's too reliant on making references, and it's like, you know, that might be an argument you could make. But still, the film is, you know, really enjoyable. Like, there there the, there is no part of this that you should really be like angry and like pounding your fist and saying like this isn't the way it was supposed to be now jj if you want to say too reliant on the previous films we also need to take a step back and point out that this is called episode seven for a reason yeah exactly like you you can't just make this stuff in isolation completely uh but there's also uh uh, you know let's also examine something like uh what jj did with star trek I am not, like, a huge fan of what he did with Star Trek, necessarily. It did get a lot of other people interested in watching Star Trek. Uh, but he went in a different direction, basically. Yeah, and so it's it's very different from what he did with this franchise here with Star Wars, where he seemed to be going more in the same direction from a trajectory of what the original films were doing uh, than, than what we all feel like maybe George did with the trajectory going backwards where he was trying to unpack what he had already what had already been made by him and many others in 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 the 70s and early 80s uh so it's which uh that that brings up another question you know because there was that quote flying around on the internet that george said this diverged from his vision and we all joke that like his vision was terrible especially with the prequels but uh, the only thing I can imagine is like he had a different story in mind for the future of Luke Skywalker separate from this whole he tried to train a bunch of new Jedi, including Han's kid who turned out to be a bad guy and killed everybody. But like, what could George object to in this that was differing from his vision? Like, I don't understand. This is so close to the original trilogy in terms of storytelling that I, I don't understand what he would be objecting to. Well, he didn't always have the the vision of Star Wars that. I would say a vast majority of people watching Star Wars might necessarily have about the franchise. Uh, Like namely the fact that there is a lot of sitting on couches uh, that happens in three movies that he made, uh, which we don't see any evidence of in this. Uh, So, you know, it's, he, he might've just had like a different arc for the family, a different arc for what he wanted to tell. Um, But when they turned him down on like what his ideas were uh, when he brought them, before disney and they said no we don't want to go in that direction at all and he's like well then peace out i don't want to like hang on as a consultant and 
uh, you know, like nobody would want me looking over their shoulder telling them what to do, which I can respect that sort of sentiment of like, you go do your own thing. Um, now he's gone on to say some other things in interviews that he probably could have said with different terminology, like making the metaphor that this is like a divorce and that uh, you don't want to see your ex or something. So it's like, okay, like it kind of puts an air of negativity on, on, on this whole thing. But uh, <laughs> Are we to assume that he's going to all of these premieres around the world and just like hanging out in the, uh, in the lobby eating like Junior Mints or something and not watching the movie? No, uh, supposedly uh, there was a piece that went out after George Lucas had made his like divorce comments where uh, they, Kathleen Kennedy had screened it for George and uh, George, she told, I think it was the Hollywood Reporter or Variety, I can't remember which one, maybe, maybe both, where she, she told them like, oh, he really likes it. <laughs> and wasn't like, there uh, something yeah, where Spielberg said that this could, has potential to be like the best movie of all time or something? Oh, I didn't see that from Spielberg, but I, I swear I saw me. that somewhere. There was, it was I think it might have been in the same uh, article where Spielberg was talking about how J.J. Abrams is like super anxious and panicky about whether or not people actually like the movie. I can see that. There is a lot of pressure that's put on anybody who has to step into the, this role, not because you're necessarily going to do something that is worse than George Lucas, but you're not necessarily going to live up to the expectations that people have. I mean, uh, he's apparently so freaked out about it that he's not going to do the, either the, the spinoff Rogue One or he's not going to do episode eight. I don't know if that's necessarily him being freaked out about it. Or... I mean, he's, just, he's just got bigger and better things to do than Star Wars. No. Well, <laughs> he, he he might have wanted to be involved and might have been told no, or he might have uh, not wanted to do it on the production schedule that they would have been on. Because remember, Rogue One is on pace to be released very soon. And, yeah, next uh, year. But like, I, yeah. why is he not on episode eight coming out in 2017? Uh, because they wanted to have that development going on that so that it would be in production for many years. And so Brian Johnson's doing it. Um, and also, supposedly... I have no confirmation of this at all, but uh, there have been some production differences between um, the the people in charge of Star Wars creatively within Lucasfilm and with uh, JJ over like what he would like to do with it, you know, because he doesn't want to just like make what the creative team is going to hand him. He also wants to have authority and a say in the process and the storytelling and, and whether or not you you might look at that and be like, oh well, you know that's just a prima donna trying to boss everybody around. And <laughs> well, it's like, you well, can say that, but I, yeah. I think I heard somewhere in an interview that he has final cut on this movie. So, like, what's there really to quibble about at this point, other than trying to make everyone happy and make a good movie? Well, but he might not have want. They might not have wanted to offer him that sort of scenario going forward. Uh, or he, might, or is, he might not have been happy with this scenario to begin with. He just wanted to make one. A director getting final cut at a Star Wars movie, it's, that's pretty spectacular. But like okay, inter, I, I, internal I, politics yeah. aside, the, you can't really argue with the end result. It's a great movie. So like, I, I mean, I, I'm not arguing with the end result. I'm just telling no, you. I'm, I'm supposedly there's a rumor I'm talking about the happy. studio people. Like, why okay. would they be disinclined to let him uh, continue with it? I don't know. Maybe they're having a very fun time working with Ryan Johnson. I have, I have no idea. <laughs> but I, you know, JJ made this one. He's got a pretty, he's got a good track record. Whether you talk about whether it be hit and miss with Star Trek in terms of his ability to carry a pre-existing franchise, that's a different story. But he's a great filmmaker, and he made a great friggin' Star Wars movie. And I would like to see more Star Wars movies from him. So I don't know what the deal is. I'm, I'm kind of curious. Mean, he, he might come back after, uh, you know, Ryan Johnson and um, uh, Colin Trevorrow. Uh, which, oh, I'm, I'm kind of like cringing about that. We'll see where that goes. Uh, but what's Colin Trevor doing? Uh, he's doing episode nine. Is he really? Oh yeah. Hmm. 
Remember, remember uh, Jurassic World, Dan? Yeah, no, I thought uh, wasn't Gareth <laughs> Edwards in there somewhere too? Uh, or, is, or is he on uh, Rogue One? He's. I think he's doing Rogue One. He's stepped in for Josh Trank. I, I oh believe. yeah, yeah. So Gareth Gareth Edwards is directing uh, Rogue One. Uh huh. And there's also the other spinoffs and stuff that'll be happening. Um, but in terms of uh like the young han solo movie and all that um we'll see where that goes <laughs> uh but the in terms of like a this uh franchise like the the uh first three movies that were made were all technically directed by different people uh george lucas had a very strong hand in all of them uh, especially when it came around to uh, special edition time but uh you know Irving Kirshner directed the second one and uh uh Ralph Marquand did the the third one uh and so it's not necessarily that something horrible will happen if somebody else directs it um cuz you know just think about how anxious everyone was over JJ directing this like it doesn't necessarily mean that it's not going to be as good if Ryan Johnson or Colin Trevorrow direct it I'm a little more apprehensive about Colin Trevorrow personally <laughs> but uh that it, it, you know, it's it's not necessarily doomed, or that it won't have a consistent feeling or anything like that, because we've we've been down this road before. We don't necessarily need uh, literally the same director, you know, covering it the whole entire time, because it's going to have the same creative forces behind it through mm-hmm. the entire thing. Uh, and even in terms of like effects, are going to be consistent through this process. Yeah. Like ILM's you know doing it like that's it's just I, I guess the thing is uh, aside from all of that which is is totally true so there's really no reason to worry about it uh, watching this movie i can see what jj brought to it and i like it and i want more of it so i mean i'm i'm sure ryan johnson's gonna be great um but i i, I like jj's hand in this movie so you know okay well i'm i'm so happy that you like his hand but uh i his robot <laughs> i would like i would like jj maybe this is just a, an idea i'm gonna throw out to go do his own thing that is not necessarily an homage or a pastiche or a reimagining or a sequel to something else that someone else has done, I think that might be a creatively satisfying endeavor for him. Well, so. I think I looked at his uh, his in development a little category on IMDb, and he's got like thirty things in development right now. So he's clearly a very busy man, uh, but he, he's uh, he's a talented director. I enjoyed his work here, and uh, obviously he's going to have some sort of producer uh, role in the the remaining star wars movies i believe but uh he you know i I liked his work so yeah good good job do more okay uh and and i'm I'm very much looking forward to like if this is what we can expect like in terms of story at the very least then i would be looking forward to more of this um and it is definitely the same creative team so it, it it speaks well to the remaining films but they're they're slightly mixing up the uh the actual writers a little bit aren't they no it's a team of writers um the uh it, it, so that it ca- has a consistent voice so they feel uh and kathleen kennedy is overseeing all of that so but is uh is kasdan gonna go forward on any of these uh i don't know exactly hmm. uh but you know it's even this had a bunch of people writing it like it wasn't wasn't just this team that you see with Lawrence Kasdan, J.J. Abrams, and Michael Arndt. Apparently, J.J. didn't like Michael's screenplay or something and rewrote lots of it because he didn't like it, and they gave him the go-ahead on that, and like Lawrence Kasdan came in at some point, and so there's stuff. I, I don't know all of the details because I was trying not to read all of the news, but uh, 
there, there are things. Uh, Hopefully but, it's not six months before somebody can have a, a, a spoilery conversation with the uh, creative team behind this and get down to some of those details. Well, I mean, I, they may not even want to release any of them, but it, it is uh, it will be interesting to see how it goes forward because I, I like what they're doing with the new stuff. Yep, I look forward to it. Uh, and and think that concludes uh, this very long broadcast. Very long broadcast. Yay, Star Wars. Nothing but Star Wars. <laughs>